This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. By the Barnabinium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina! Touchdown, Ace Sanders! Pressure! Penny just dives in! All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, Sinorama.com. We are built in, ooh, excuse me, I have been sick, so everybody just bear with me. The last 24 <laughs> hours has gotten me, but we're getting there. We're built, as always, by the Barndo Co., the Barndominium Co., 
com where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot in the Carolinas and Georgia or in Tennessee. Of course, uh, we are also and always served by Chicken Cock. Chicken Cock bourbon is on my shelf at all times, period, the end. If you don't know where to find it, just pull up the Chicken Cock Challenge button in the Chief Sports app and it'll take you right where you need to go by typing in your address. It'll show you who's got it near you. It's really, really, really cool. And it is fantastic stuff just to have to sip or for the tailgate or whatever it may be. Chickencock, chickencockwhiskey.com for more. JC will be here in just a minute. Uh, He's uh, finishing up some work stuff. And uh, Phil and I will get you going on what is a chilly but beautiful Thursday afternoon. We'll be joined in about 15 minutes by Chad Holbrook, head coach at the College of Charleston. But you all well know now he is the chief dude of Chin Music on the Chief app. Uh, Chin Music is probably the coolest podcast that's out there. It is a true podcast. Him, Scotty Fryer, and Colin Morris uh, just released this morning their brand-new episode with none other than Whit Merrifield, uh, former star, and we all know him by the walk-off in the College World Series at the old Rosenblatt Stadium. He's been a big league all-star now for a while and uh, really proud of Whit. It's an incredible conversation. want you to listen to the whole thing. Uh, we'll we'll preview that coming up here in just a little bit with Coach Holbrook, but it's really really neat. Wait till you hear the story about his trip to Clemson when he was re- on a recruiting visit. That uh, that will tell you right there why the Gamecocks right off the rip uh, were in the driver's seat to land his services, and thank God they did. Uh, they became national champions, and a lot of that was because of Wit Merrifield. The Nana Sports chat box is open and alive and well. Good to see all of you. Uh, a lot of basketball conversation will be happening today. Last night was a pretty wild night. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports is going to join us uh, coming up at uh, 12.30 today. He wrote a piece on Lamont Paris and uh, linked it to whom Lamont used to coach for, Bo Ryan. So we're going to dive into that with him and talk about the early seasons, well, the early to mid-season success for Gamecock basketball as they do sit here at 18-3 and overall and six and two in the SEC. Phil, before we go any further, uh, we did just get this off of the desk of uh, Kent Reichert at the University of South Carolina. Uh, Gamecock baseball this year will have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games nationally televised. Now, pretty much all of their games will also be available on the SEC Network Plus. You're all probably pretty used to to being able to uh, tap into that and, uh, and stream it. Of course, we encourage you to listen to Derek and a person to be named soon uh, in the broadcast booth. But uh, there will be eight games nationally televised beginning on Saturday, March 16th in Oxford, Mississippi uh, at Ole Miss. Uh, Thursday, March 20th, they'll be at Alabama. That's one of those uh, Thursday through Saturday series as well. Uh, Wednesday, April 3rd, they've got Georgia Southern at home. Sunday, April 14th at Florida. Saturday, April 27th and Sunday, April 28th. Both of those Kentucky games will be televised. And then Thursday, May 9th and Thursday, uh, Friday, May 10th, both Georgia games uh, will be televised on national TV uh, as well. So that's the plan as of now. Uh, late in the season, if, if, if any of you are wondering, um, there are flex games and the SEC Network, ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU uh, they all kind of work collectively to to flex the best 
get, uh, at, at that point in time, the best games onto national televisions. Could be some late cha- uh, late season changes uh, from a uh, from a television perspective. Yeah, Charles, I, I can't comment on it, but um, but you'll know you'll know soon enough. You'll know soon enough. I can I can assure you of that. Mad Dog, what we were texting back and forth last night. You, Matt Anderson, <laughs> uh, JC, and myself. What a night of college basketball in the Gators. Went up there to Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, continued this rough. I mean, Kentucky is just not playing well. And no. uh, the Gators clipped them, got a big, big, big win, and actually moved them ahead of South Carolina in the net rankings. Yeah. I, it, uh, I don't know. I just sat there at the end of the game. Just, I mean, I couldn't believe myself. I just, you know, it, it's hard to pinpoint one person, right, on a team like that who you could put that loss on but i'm hard leaning reed shepherd for you know just spacing out and leaving clayton jr wide open to shoot threes at the end of the game Uh, you can't do that it's 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 as simple as not being eight feet away from the guy you know you have i mean it's it's basic it's not even like next level defending just be on your man. <laughs> right. And then for that last one where he tied the game, don't let him shoot that ball. Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you, know, you can't let him get a clean look from beyond the arc. I just, you know, that's on you, Reed Shepard. You, you didn't do enough to, you know, in overtime to make up for it. So you're going to have to eat that loss. Well, you know, South Carolina came up in the postgame press conference with John right. Calipari. I mean, he yeah. said Florida's good. South Carolina is good. Um, you know, he's been very complimentary. It, clearly, he's he knows what he's missing, which is leadership on that team. And you get leadership generally uh, from having seasoned vets on the floor. And he just he just doesn't have a bunch of that, as they generally don't. But, they, I mean, they're really going through it. You know, I wonder – what the you know it's got to be heated up there right now from a from a media perspective the fans and what they're they're thinking and wanting from this program moving forward uh you you know with all of that said i 100% agree with mike morgan and pretty much everybody else we've had on and everybody has on uh to to talk about sec basketball i mean dan Bradshaw, uh, mentioned it yesterday. Pat Bradley mentioned it the week before. Both of them here on our program. Kentucky's really good, and they're really talented, and they're in a funk. But they're going to get out of it at some point in time, and they can buddy country. And uh, we'll see what that looks like um, whenever they get out of it. But we know what type of run they can go on. They're very capable of that. So it's just kind of a funk. But most importantly for the Gators, boy, that's got them in a good spot moving forward as they try to get into the dance as well, luckily South Carolina has been taking care of business because those have been, like in real estate, those have been comps uh, that you look at over the last few weeks. And um, both of them have, have made some noise in trying to, to get into the postseason. Elsewhere in the 25 last night, Providence gave UConn all they could handle, and uh, UConn was able to pull away there at the end and win the game 74-65. to 65, um, you know, probably more than likely remaining number one, Northwestern and Purdue. If anybody didn't see what happened in this game, you got to go find the highlights somewhere. This was wild. So they went to overtime. Purdue, Mackey Arena probably has the best atmosphere in college basketball. Yeah, you, know, you, 
Iowa. It's JC. It's something. I mean, last night I hadn't seen anything like that. Not not anywhere. The that SEC. Purdue. I mean, it always freaks me out, man. Well, those those fans, uh, those fans up there. That was neat. I mean, there ain't anywhere in the SEC that's even close. Duke ain't close. Uh, you know, it's it's, but it was wild. They went to overtime. Purdue won it. The score is a nine point difference, but that is because of what happened at the very end of the ball game. So, first of all, the fouls. I've never seen anything like this. If you go look at the box score, I'm telling you, I've never seen it. Northwestern shot eight free throws in 45 minutes of basketball. They made six of them. Purdue made 29 free throws. And while that sounds like a lot, and it is, they shot 46. They shot 38 more free throws than Northwestern did. Northwestern was flagged for 31 fouls. Purdue, only 15. Three players, three players fouled out. Of north of the game for the Wildcats, every single starter had at least three fouls. And at the end of the game, Northwestern's head coach walked onto the floor after he thought there should have been a wraparound foul called when Purdue was inbounding the basketball on their own baseline. They get got the ball in, went to maneuver the the guy that I think it was their point guard went to maneuver himself down the baseline. And he wrapped his right arm around the Northwestern player who was trying to trap him. And he slipped and fell, and they called the foul on Northwestern. Well, Northwestern was like, wait a second here. They wrap that you can't reach around like that. That's a that you can't wrap your arms around like that. that's an offensive foul. Northwestern would have had a chance to have the basketball with the chance to tie the game once again at the end of overtime. So they went down, they shot their free throws. Uh, ball comes back down the floor. Northwestern missed a shot, and when that happened, as time was set to expire, about 1.7 seconds left, their coach jets to the middle of the floor as play is still going on, and got into the face of one of the officials. He was ejected from the game, and everybody began to make their way onto the court because the game, you know, the clock ticked off. It was it happened that quickly. The officials cleared the court and allowed Purdue with 1.7 seconds left to shoot four free throws because of the two fouls the you know you had the ejection and then you, of course you you had an unsportsmanlike so they got four free uh free free throws there at the end which made that score look a little bit worse than it was so i don't know if that if if northwestern's coach is going to get fined or be suspended it was an outburst uh, and i couldn't really figure it out but I figured it out when I looked into the box score and realized that his team had shot 38 less free throws. He was probably waiting to get onto the floor, and he, and he got out there. It was, dude, it was something. I mean, it was a wild scene. So, uh, anyways, that's what happened there. Baylor uh, had a little bit of a scare at UCF, but they escaped 77-69. to 69. Boise State goes into New Mexico and gets out of Albuquerque with an upset win, an eight-point victory over the 19th-ranked uh um, over 19th ranked New Mexico. And then uh, Georgia had Bama down 41 to 27 at halftime. Alabama proceeded to open the second half and just pour it on. 58 points in the final 20 minutes for the Tide as they went into Stegman and got out of there 85 to 76. Bama remains in first place all alone at 7 and 1 in the SEC. The Dogs, hungry for a big win, are going to get another opportunity 
against your South Carolina Gamecocks at one o'clock on sun on Saturday afternoon. Georgia now at four and four in the league and fourteen and seven overall. And Vanderbilt kind of hung in there for a little while with Auburn, and then in the second half, Auburn had had enough of that. Eighty-one to fifty-four uh, was the final score there. We've probably all seen the rumors coming out of Arkansas. Who knows how true they are? But Arkansas did go on the road last night. Mike Morgan called the game, and they scored ninety-one points in Columbia, Missouri, to take down the uh, Tigers, ninety-one to eighty-four. Mizzou is zero and eight in the SEC. Tough loss for Missouri last night uh, against uh, an Arkansas team that seemed to play inspired. So uh, uh, Missouri really didn't cut that score down until like the last minute of the game. So it was a comfortable win for the Hogs. I turned the Georgia game on when it was 64-58 Georgia. And all of a sudden, Mark Sears just heats up. <laughs> and Georgia looked exhausted at the, by that point. And – it was uh, it was just it just rained threes in Stegman Coliseum. I mean, they when Bama heats up, it's it's exciting, um, and uh, that was crazy because it was a game where Bama was ice cold. Georgia was playing great, up seventeen to two, comfortable lead at halftime. You know, you had to think that they felt like they had it in control, uh, and they did not. So, curious to kind of see how the dogs respond. <clears throat> Mark uh, Mike White has a really good young team. If they can keep this team together. In a year or two, Georgia's going to be a contender. Uh, now, these days, you never know who's going to stay and who's going to go. It's, it's year to year. But uh, I, I do want to give them credit. I, I think they've got a really solid basketball team. It's just young yeah, yeah. Uh, this season. And so we'll see what happens uh, on Saturday. It's going to be a challenge for the Gamecocks. Make your free throws, Gamecocks. Just remember, hopefully you don't have the same ref you had. But, hey, that same ref uh, was in Knoxville on Tuesday. Uh, the one David Conager talks about. Yeah, Pat, <laughs> Pat Adams. Pat Adams. Yeah. Patch Adams or so. Patch yeah, but anyway, Adams. Patch. We'll call him Patch. But Great uh, movie, by the way. Great movie. You know, yeah, he uh, – and so we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I did some. I did a breakdown today on thebigspur.com just about the net and where Carolina stands. Yeah. And, and right now the Gamecocks resume is looking awfully good. Uh, the Gamecocks have the highest winning percentage. Uh, in the league of Q1, Q2 wins. Uh, they're tied for the most Q1, Q2 wins. Uh, they're tied for second for the most Q1 wins right now. Um, but they've only played eight games. I mean, you got 10 more to go. Uh, this thing could go a number of ways moving forward. And every one of these games is going to be a battle. You know, maybe Vanderbilt's quit by the time they come in here. Um, but LSU is continuing to battle. Georgia is not going to go down without a fight. Ole Miss certainly is not. They're 18 and three as well. Um, and then at the end, you got what looks to be a resurgent Florida team, Tennessee, and the Mississippi State in March. So mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, A&M on the road. No spring picnic there either. So uh, A&M actually has, I think, five Q1 wins uh, this year. Uh, they're up there. So, um, yeah, four. They have four. They're four and four. But the Gamecocks have the you know the best winning percentage of Q one victories, uh, and they're undefeated in Q two. So seven and two. Uh, Tennessee has one more Q one Q two combined at eight, but they're eight and five uh, using that metric. So you know the net I know has been disappointing for people, and if they truly do just use it as a sorting tool, as they say, uh, which to me means we're going to use this to kind of break ties on seating and things like that. Um, then fine, 
But, yeah. you know, I've seen it to where they just go straight down the, the net and very little deviation. So, and I don't know that that's, that's fair because, of, you know, that, that South Carolina's resume is number one or two in the league when you talk about quality wins and stuff. Um, strength of schedule is a little bit off, you know, so I could, t- I could take third, yeah. but, but nobody's won the, you know, winning percentage wise, nobody's won more Q1, nobody's been more successful against Q1 and Q2 than Carolina. And it's not like, I mean, the game guys have played nine Q1, Q2, Kentucky's yeah. same there. Auburn's at 10. Auburn's 0 and 4 against Q1. Right. Yeah. So I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. This may be a situation where, Quality losses are, are mattering a whole lot more than, than non-quality wins with regards to these rankings. But I I think Carolina's resume mm-hmm. is a whole, whole hell of a lot better than seventh in the league when you really yeah. break it down. we got to step aside. Chad Holbrook is waiting patiently. And when we return, his conversation with Whit Merrifield up now on the Chin Music Podcast. So we'll head to left field from right field right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Carolina wins the College World Series. Merrifield. He's been around a while now. He's turning into an old man, and he talks about that and more on the Chin Music Podcast with this fine gentleman, Chad Holbrook, who was an integral part of winning that national championship and the next one in South Carolina. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been 14 years ago, but it has been, Coach. So everybody around here is getting aged really quick. But uh, that is now out. If you've got the Chief sports app if you don't you should if you don't you can go to anywhere where you get your podcast but we make it pretty easy by downloading our app and just clicking on the <laughs> logo and checking out all the incredible conversations that coach holbrook scotty fryer and colin morris have distributed that's the newest uh, from one of the great legends of the history of the university of south carolina's athletics department and uh, i bet that was fun and i bet it was really 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 I don't know if neat is the word, but probably a little bit emotional for you considering you coached the guy and 14 years later, you're, you're kind of interviewing him. Yeah, it's weird, it's weird for sure. Um, first one, talking to a former player of mine and uh, hope to have many more of those. But Witt obviously has, has a special place in my heart uh, as he does many Gamecock fans or probably all Gamecock fans. Uh, his, story, his story is really, really uh, cool. You know, I mean, because he wasn't, he wasn't a highly recruited kid. Um, heck, I you know showed my idiocy. I, I passed on him. Um, I was recruiting him at North Carolina, and he was 145 pound senior. You know, I mean, he was he was a pipsqueak and could barely throw the. He played shortstop in high school. He could barely throw the ball from short to first, but he could play. And uh, and you know that's what we talked about in the podcast about how the ability to play the game. Uh, is often gets lost in the scouting community in our sport. Um, you know, instinct, savvy, the way he was taught the game by his dad, who was a ter- terrific player. And, uh, you know, when I got to South Carolina a year after Witt had arrived, Coach Tanner said I 100% took him because of his dad and how he taught Witt the game and uh, didn't know if he'd be a starter every day or not. But uh, – it was worth it because of his knowledge of the game and how he could play. And I'd find a place to use him somewhere. And that was the talk that we had in the locker room, coach to coach. And obviously, uh, Witt turned into an American league all-star and his baseball stories is, is truly fascinating. It, well, it is. They call him two hit wit now in the big leagues, which is just crazy. He's one of the Pretty best. Much. Like, What did you, and we've got a clip we're going to play here in just a second. Um, 
of uh, his recruitment. But um, what did you, without giving away too much, because really, coach, we want people to go listen to this uh, or watch it. Um, what what did you learn about him, like how he has turned into the the hitter he has in the big leagues in this era in which we play in? Like he's a guy who. You know, even though you had the juice era of the '90s or whatever it is, there was still a place in the game for for a guy like Witt. And I feel like now a lot of what is pushed. I mean, I've talked to Smoke about this before. You get paid to hit home runs. I mean, right. Witt, Witt has publicly said on the record. I've talked to him, uh, talked to him about this before in Columbia. You know, you hit 35 home runs and you hit 230, you're going to get more money than the guy that hits 300 but hits nine or ten home runs because the long ball is so prevalent in the game. So, like, what did you learn about that w- with him and how he has kind of tried to continue to carve out what he does well in today's game? Well, I mean, he's a baseball player. I keep going back to that, but his knowledge of the game would far surpass anybody else in a nine-man lineup, I can assure you. He's a coach. You know, we all have coaches on the field. and You know, I, all those things are talked about in, in the in athletic world. Um, he's certainly that and then some. Um, you know, you always felt like, and I even felt this with Coach Tanner when we were in the same dugout together. You, we we handled him very carefully because he knew about as much of the game as we did, and we didn't want to insult his intelligence or make ourselves look dumb because he was so intelligent regarding the game. I mean, and we let Wit be Wit, um, but yeah, I mean his uh, Wit. I don't know if I've had a player that believes in himself more than Whit Merrifield believed in himself. Um, I, I didn't share this story, so I'll share it on the podcast, but I think this is a, a cool one to share. You know, he played center field his freshman year, uh, yeah. and that was before a guy named Jackie Bradley Jr. arrived. Mm-hmm. And when Jackie arrived, we moved Whit to right. He wanted to fight Coach Tanner. I mean, he, <laughs> he did not believe he should play second fiddle to anybody. You know, obviously, Jackie's a gold glove center fielder and one of the best to ever do it defensively. But Witt wanted no part of that. And uh, book, and it was done the right way because he just believed in himself. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's a, it's a true joy. And, 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 you know, talking about the, the modern-day world of analytics in baseball, uh, his best quote from the podcast was, you know, what's the exit velo of the, of the, of the guy that strikes out all the time? Yeah. And, uh, and it's a fair point. You know, he, he's not – he's probably not as coveted as a free agent as he should be based on his numbers. Mm-hmm. And why is that? That's because of the metrics. And, uh, but whoever signs him is going to be getting a damn good player that's going to produce. And like you said, you can pencil on him in for two hits almost every game. That's just who he is. You got to get him out of Toronto playing the, paying those uh, socialist Canadian taxes up there, man. That's uh, yeah, I think, that's I think I, athletes. I think I know where he's going, but I'm, I better, I better yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I'd be excited if it were some, if it were here or Atlanta. I'd be excited, but uh, don't come yeah. to the White Sox, man. They're going to be terrible. <laughs> Please don't come to the White Sox. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's uh, but man, what a true joy it was to be in the same dugout with Wit. Um, you know, he his recruitment is really neat. Um, it, it, how he got to South Carolina is really really cool. Um, if I'd have recruited his rear end off where I was at at North Carolina, he still wouldn't have came there. I think that Carolina blue would make him break out in hives. He was born a Wake Forest Demon Deacon. And, uh, yeah. But it's, uh, you know, great family. You know, you know his brother's name is Height. Yep. 
his name is Wit, and it's because all his dad knew how to do is hit, and he wanted the word hit to be in each of his son's names. And it's a really cool family, man. I mean, and, uh, nice, nicest you know, people on the planet. Oh, incredible. I mean, Miss, know, Miss Kissy is salt of the earth. And you would, oh, no doubt. And you would, you appreciate this, Jamie, is because you watched the Gamecocks take BP a time or two under Coach Tanner's tutelage. <laughs> he was the opposite of that. He was, uh, I'm going to hit the ball to right field. I'm going to groove my swing. I'm going to try to hit singles over the second baseman's head. Oh, Matt, Coach Tanner did not like that. He wanted them hitting the bleachers. <laughs> watching, watching them fight in BP, Witt was working on the swing, just like his dad taught him. And we we stayed out of Witt's way when because he knew how to hit. Um, but every now and again, Coach Tanner, you know, he, he'd run that ball in on right-handed hitters because he wanted to see the home run. And uh, Witt wanted no part of that. He'd take that inside pitch and fist it over second baseman's head. Drove Coach Tanner crazy. And, and then when – Coach Tanner told Witt to hit it in the stands. It drove Witt crazy. It was fun to watch. <laughs> um, Witt uh, did take a visit to Clemson. Uh, we've got a a clip from some of what he said about that visit. Uh, we'll we'll show that now, Coach. All right. And then he really came down to South Carolina and Clemson, um, and <laughs> went went to South Carolina. Coach Tanner took me in his uh, in his in his SUV, drove me around campus, and told me, you know, person it was just me and him. He was, uh, you know, real personable and was showing me like the new stadium and where classes are, where the dorms are. Um, it was just cool to have just me and him for thirty minutes or however long it was. And then I go to Clemson, and I'm there. Uh, Coach O'Sullivan did most of my recruiting with me at Clemson, and you remember Kyle Greenwald? Yeah, yeah. So, Pennsylvania so, boy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he was big time. He we played together on the same summer yep. team. Yep. And uh, he was big time pitcher at the time. Ended up um, committing to South Carolina, but then uh, declaring for the draft or declaring right. the draft with Houston, I think it was. Anyway, so he and I are with o- O'Sullivan. We get on campus. Sully's showing us around. We get to the baseball field, and Coach Leggett comes out to meet us and talk to us. And uh, like I said, Kyle's a much bigger name prospect than, than myself. And he goes up to Kyle, shakes Kyle's hand, goes, hey, Kyle, you know, it's good to have you on campus. And then he goes to me and goes, sorry, what was your name again? Ooh. And I, t- I turned to my dad shortly after. I was like, we can leave whenever if you want. Wow. So that wow. Uh, that ended my, my – that's when I knew, like, for sure. It was South Carolina. Carolina. South Carolina is where yeah. I was going to go. <laughs> be honest have you ever done that i mean here's the thing <laughs> recruiting moves fast and yeah. um it, it it happens um because sometimes sometimes the assistant coach might not share all the necessary information with the head coach and mm-hmm. uh, and and it moves so fast these kids will show up like i probably i'm not i Probably Witt was driving from Atlanta at an East Todd complex up I-85 home, if I had to guess. And the last second, their staff asked him to come over to Clemson and probably didn't have a lot of prep time, if I had to guess. It happens. I mean, it happens hey, to, to everyone. It happened um, to Lou Holtz when he was here. He was in a, uh, a prominent recruit's living room. 
and they wrote cards for Lou because Lou kind of just coached about half the year <laughs> anyway. Uh, and he's like, I just want to say, you know, Sterling Thomas, we really need you here at Carolina. And it was, uh, it was another name. <laughs> so needless to say that kid, I think, I think he went to Tennessee. So. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, I'm not going to mention the school on this one, but we got a kid, we got Nolan Belcher. Um, yeah. And the reason South Carolina got Nolan Belcher was because on one of his visits to our rivals, they called him Noah. The whole, mm. the whole, the whole, the whole visit. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's all kinds of stories like that. Um, it very rarely happens when it's Clemson versus South Carolina, um, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and that goes to credit. I'm going to flip it around. And, you know, well, that's, that's who Coach Tanner is. You know, the 30-minute one-on-one deal is who he, he – and I got to experience that when he recruited me to be his coach from North Carolina. I got to, I got to experience that. You get in that Tahoe with Coach Tanner and you go around Columbia, you feel like you're the best player or the best coach in the world. And uh, and that obviously that personal connection made the difference for Whit. That's well, when you want to be in that Tahoe. <laughs> yeah, there's times when you don't want to be in it. I've been in it in both. There's a chapter in that book on that one. There's no doubt about that. Did you did Blake Cooper ever tell you the story about after all the stuff happened with uh, with um, with um, Lonnie and? And those guys, when they got popped in 07 and that Tahoe pulled up the lake or uh, Blake pulled, walking into his dorm room in the middle of the night. That was, you know, I obviously wasn't there. I heard all the stories. I will say yeah. this. I think um, that I mean, Blake didn't have anything to do with that now. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. The Tahoe pulled up and Blake yeah. was like, oh, oh, I think man. that broke Coach Tanner's heart as much as any event in his coaching career that, that episode. Um, absolutely he, did. He loved Lonnie Chisholm. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I, I wasn't there then, but I hearing him talk about it, that, that broke his heart for sure. We had a couple other incidents when I was there that broke his heart as well, but I don't think anything measures up to that one. No, no. Yeah, that, I remember the press Nick, conference, uh, he was very emotional yeah. announcing that Lonnie Chisinau and all that. So. He loved Fuller. Loved and him. Nick Fuller. Fuller. Nick Fuller could, could throw the, yeah. you know what, out of it. Yeah. It could have been the difference in 07. Because they went up to Chapel Hill and lost. Uh, well, I was in the other. Du- I was in yeah. the other route that. Oh, that, I know you were. I, I know you were. I can tell you that was one of the most impressive college baseball teams I've ever witnessed, and that was yeah. without Lonnie, obviously. I mean, we we would not allow our players to watch batting practice. And true, true story. When South Carolina hit, our players went in the locker room. Coaches made them. Usually, we are out there, you know, getting loose, watching whatever you know, talking to each other, playing all kinds of games. They went in the locker room. We closed the door when they hit. We didn't want yeah. to be – we didn't – I mean, and that was out of respect because uh, what a, what a team that, that team was for sure. It, well, it was – they were an arm or two short, and that certainly could have been fuller. And, and right. right. you remember how good that lineup – I mean, unfortunately, Reese had a just a, 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 a really tough series up there. Um, but uh, – that lineup with Lonnie Chisenhall in it would have been – I don't deal. even know how you would have explained it. It was a different deal. And it was just yeah. one at bat from – was, it was that was a one at bat series. I know North Carolina, we won it two out of three and went on, but it was one at bat. In game three, um, South Carolina was up three to nothing in game three, the deciding game, with the bases loaded and two outs. A hit there and the game's over. The series is over. And, yeah. um, uh, you know – 
we the big strike out there and got out of the inning. I think the bases were loaded with one out actually, and the and the Gamecocks were up three to nothing. But it, you know, here and there, it, it was a one it was a one at bat series. It was two closely matched teams, but that team was crazy physical, crazy strong. Um, yeah, it's one of the most impressive teams I've ever witnessed on a baseball field from a position player standpoint. The Supers in Chapel Hill were brutal, man. The, the, the one in twenty thirteen lasted a week and a half because it kept getting rained out. And I think y'all had the lead. Yeah, my heart game in that broke. one too. Heart still broke. Um, if there, if you ask me, if there's one loss that sticks with me is, and it sticks with me to this day is that one. And um, you know, uh, we didn't play. We played well enough to win. They were the number one seed in the country. They were really, really good. We went up and played honestly our ass off. But we made two critical mistakes, and I'm as a coach probably made a mistake as well. And it, it still stings with me. It still shit pisses me off to this day. You know I, mean? <laughs> I was yeah, I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, on business at a chicken wing place, and I just talked to Whittle because he'd been up there. I mean, because like I said, it lasted like a week. Um, I remember watching the lead and then watching it slip away and. Yeah, that was a tough one, Coach. That was that was yeah, it was tough. And we and we had been, you know, we've been to Omaha three years in a row. Um, mm-hmm. I was getting ready to be four. Jordan Montgomery pitched an incredible game two. Incredible. We gave them game one with drop fly ball in left field. Mm-hmm. Could have easily been a two games, and we're going to Columbia and party, you know, celebrating again. Um, but we just didn't, you know, when you're playing a great team like they were, you, you got to make the routine plays. We didn't. And then and then I'm shoot, I'm man enough to say I made a mistake in the first inning in game three. And uh, it sits with me to this day. Coach, I want to – because you released the episode today with um, with Wit. <clears throat> of all the things we've ever talked about, which is a lot over the years, I don't think I've ever asked you this. When you were coaching third base uh, in game two of the World Series, when Wit came to the plate, what what were you think? What were what was your thought process? And I'm talking about from what you were expecting to see out of Wit. Um, and I think I know what your answer is going to be there. But from what you're expecting to see out of Wit, and then how you were playing it in your mind, you know, with Wingo being on base and and running through all the scenarios as a third base coach does. You know, if the ball goes here, or there, what are we doing? Or, or is it just like this right arm is going to be rolling and we're going to, you know, we're going to take a crack at this thing because if the ball doesn't roll all the way into the right field corner and there, there could be a play at the plate clearly. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. Can you, can you walk me through what you were thinking? Well, Do you remember all that? Yeah, clearly like it was yesterday. The most, ner- <laughs> the, most ner- the most nervous I've ever been on a baseball field by far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually as a player, you know, you get lost in the game and your nerves settle down as a coach. You know, sometimes your nerves ramp up. I've never felt my body was in a different place. But this is an incredible story. If you can imagine, you put yourself in my shoes. We're 90 feet away from our first national championship. We have a really good hitter at the plate facing a really damn good pitcher. Um, Witt has many times, like when he makes an out, Many times it's a flare to right field. So a very shallow fly ball to right field. And I'm sitting there saying, okay, 
a flare to right field in this shallow, what in the heck am I going to do? We're 90 feet away. And, uh, and you know, I, and I told, you know, Wingo was, you know, running his mouth a hundred miles an hour, which Wingo called me this week. We texted, he wants to go on the podcast. I cannot wait to have him on. It might be the best podcast we ever have because that's, <laughs> we got some stories, but anyway, um, might never end. Yeah, it might never end. But we're, we're talking, going through all the scenarios. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm getting ready to have to make the biggest decision in my life on a baseball field. And maybe the biggest decision in this baseball program's history, if Whit Merrifield hits a flare to right field, which he does all the time. And I looked at Coach Tanner because I think, oh, he had, this is the beauty of him now. I looked at him and he looked at me and he goes, no matter what, send him. And I immediately relaxed. I immediately, it was, it, it, he took the decision off of being away in the heat of the battle. And it was the best thing that could have happened. I mean, obviously you got a hit, but, but so the, it was a sigh of relief. And that was, that's, that's what coach Tanner did, not only for his coaches, but he also did it for his players as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 remember, wow. I will remember every step of that 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 deal. I mean, think about it. Ninety feet away. Yeah. Maybe the biggest decision you'll ever have on your plate as a coach. Maybe the biggest decision in the program's history at that time. And knowing a flare could happen. Thank God he didn't hit a flare. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of nerves going on. There was a lot oh. of going on. But Coach Tanner had a way of he's in the moment, and he knew by looking at me what I was thinking. And he knew what to say, and that's the genius of him. Yeah, he's – it really is. It could, Obviously, it could have worked out differently. It could have been double play, and then, right. you know, right. and, we go on. Right. So what – but with, with Witt up there, I mean, from a confidence standpoint, I mean, you knew him inside and out as a hitter. You know, what, I knew he was going to make contact. I, 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 my first thing was, are they going to pitch to him? Because, you know, you set up a double play. I mean – Were you surprised they did? Kind of, but Jackie was on deck, and everyone yeah. was scared to death of Jackie. And it was, it was, but I, I still thought they might walk him. Uh, um, and uh, they, they, you know, they, they didn't. And the right versus right thing, you know, Wit at that time probably wasn't known for a, a big power, so they thought they had a fighting chance that a ground ball or a, or shallow fly ball and or a punch out. The guy was a big strikeout guy that was on the mound. They, they probably felt like the, the numbers were in their favor to get it out somewhere. Um, I knew the kid was going to make contact, and Wit was built for that moment, no doubt about it. Did that moment change Wit at all? <laughs> you know, I, it made him more famous. I don't think. Well, I know it, that. It's always been, you know, and here's the beauty of Wit, and this, there's, there's not a, and I, I think every teammate will probably say yes to this. I don't, there's, Wit was, his belief was so strong in himself that if you didn't know him, it would come across as maybe being arrogant. But let me be honest with you, that whole team was cocky and arrogant. But yeah. Wit, we fed off Wit because the belief in himself was at the top. And, and I mean, every aspect of his life, like, it wasn't just, hey, I'm the best baseball player on this field, which he truly believed no matter who he was playing. And um, he believed he was the best. That's what made him special. Um, did that make him even believe he was even better than what he thought he was before? 
I don't think so. I just I just think he was built for that moment. Witt has always I don't think Witt has changed to me at all in any, any aspect. He he loved the he loved the baseball program in South Carolina. He loved the he loved the community of Columbia. He 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 was a fixture there, obviously, and coming from North Carolina, and we could have gone a lot of different places um, to become a to become a gamecock. Like Coach Tanner would always say this, you know, it's sometimes hard to become a true gamecock. You have to do some special things when you come from out of state. And uh, Witt was a true gamecock before that hit, um, but it obviously cemented him, you know, forever uh, once that hit fell fell down, but. Um, no, I, I don't think it changed him. It just, it just, uh, it probably, I don't know if you could increase his confidence level either. Um, or the belief in himself because he already, that's just who he is. And that's not a, that's not a negative. I mean, the dude believed in himself like no other player I ever coached. Yeah, it's uh, Chad Holbrook, if you're listening, the head baseball coach of the College of Charleston. Cougars, uh, Whit Merrifield joined him, Scotty, and Colin this week on the Chin Music Podcast, which is available on our Chief Sports app uh, under the Chief Sports Network. How how long is the about an hour or so? About an hour, it? yeah. It's not. It's a quick listen. Drive home from work, listen to it. I mean, which uh, you Gamecock fans, he's a he's a true he's a he's a jewel, man. He is a um, he's he's one that'll. Always be talked about in Gamecock lore, and uh, and he loves the Gamecocks as much as the Gamecocks love him. Um, the, the stories with him and Coach Tanner are really unique. Um, his recruitment's unique. His baseball life journey is very unique. Um, and obviously, what he's accomplished in pro ball has, you know, I think it's the, in many ways it's the perfect baseball life story. And uh, for for a baseball player, for an aspiring major leaguer, it's almost the perfect story. If he can finish it off by getting to a World Series, I don't think it can be any more perfect. And he he just might do it. He just he's might a, do it. He's a career two eighty three hitter in, in the big leagues, two eighty four hitter in the big leagues. Um, he's hit uh, ninety home runs. He's got four hundred and seventy ribbies. So whoever signs him this year could get him to a hundred career home runs and and five hundred career ribbies. If if you know, uh, I didn't mention this on the podcast, but this is cool. You'll appreciate this. Yeah. Draft day for which draft we were uh, we were actually practicing. Um, that was when the draft was done before the season was over, and yeah. we were practicing getting ready. I believe for the super, uh, we were, we were getting ready to go to Coastal Carolina. I believe that was the day. It could have been getting ready to go to Omaha, but we were in postseason practice, and uh, and the draft was going on at the same time we were on the field, and Wit was I've never seen him so uptight, so nervous anxious anxiety um and and Witt told this story on the podcast about how he believed he was a first rounder that's what he believed you know based on his accomplishments he believed he was a first or second rounder and uh you know we got through two or three rounds and he hadn't been picked and coach tanner let him he sent coach tanner sent him up uh to the coach's offices actually he watched he he missed practice because he was so uptight he wanted to watch the draft so he went up and got on the computer uh, in our in, in, at Founders Park and missed practice. Boy, our players were giving it to him now. I mean, oh, yeah, they man. were giving it to him. And Adrian Morales and I, they were giving it to him. But, you know, again, another genius move by Coach Tanner to accommodate one of his players who knew he wouldn't going to be worth two cents anyway if he was out there on the field. So go up there and go up there and see where you go and 
you know, and after you go, it's a relief and come back and let's go, let's go, let's go try to get to Omaha. That's what happened. It did happen. Yeah. The first of uh, two national national championships for Gamecock baseball. I'll end uh, and let you get going here with a couple of questions from the, from the chat box. One is about your baseball team at ass. How is uh, Bishop England's Daniel Brooks progressing? I appreciate that. Ask. I'm, I, I'm lucky. Awfully lucky to coach baseball at the college of Charleston. I got some great kids. Daniel's one of them coming off Tommy John. It could be a high draft pick in June. I got two kids that, you know, could be, you know, I got one, Cole Mathis could be a first round draft pick. Um, if he was playing at Vanderbilt or Florida or South Carolina, he would be pitching on the weekend and hitting the middle of those lineups too. That's how good the kid is. And uh, so excited about Cole and, and, and Daniel could be a high draft pick and go inside of five rounds as well. Um, and if he comes back hundred percent, which I think he is based on his workouts right now, um, I think, I think he's going to be a, a, a darn good pick as well. And those two kids are salt to the earth that work hard. I love being around them every day. Um, they have a strong faith. Um, you know, I mean, they both contributed to having, you know, about seven or eight of our players baptized off Sullivan's Island this year. And it's a really, really cool thing to watch those kids grow spiritually and as men yeah. and, uh, and Cole and Daniel lead the way there. That is really, really neat. I just saw his former coach the other day, Mike Darnell, who's one of my favorite baseball people on the planet. Although he needs to, he needs to get back to the old school Mike Darnell and cut that hair. I remember the days <laughs> where he wouldn't let anybody have hair. Now he's got hair longer than everybody. Um, uh, I, I don't. I'm. A, I want to ask you this about real quick, if you don't mind, about Ty Good. Obviously, he he transferred out and he's in Columbia. You mentioned to me before he he. he when, when he was going to transfer, uh, you were very supportive of him going to South Carolina. It's a place he really wanted to be. Can you, he's a guy, he's going to pitch. So right. can, can nobody knows him better than you know. Can you give us a quick scouting report on, on what Ty Good brings to the Gamecock staff? Ty, Ty is one of the sweetest, purest human beings I've ever been lucky enough to be around. Um, you know, he's a, a great, great kid, a great, great teammate. Um, and obviously when he's on a great pitcher, uh, he'll certainly can help any pitching staff. I mean, if you want to poke holes in Ty, you would say, well, here, here, when he's in the strike zone, he's elite and he can get anybody out on any day. Um, his command is the one question mark. Um, and, and he'll be the first to tell you that it, it's, uh, if he, if he gets in trouble, it's usually because the base is on balls. Um, He's not one that gives up a lot of hits. He's got a great breaking ball, a great changeup. His fastball on SEC weekends is probably a little light, but it's it's still good when those all-speed pitches. It, it, when I say light, it's not the 95 to 97, you know, on, on the radar gun that you see that Vanderbilt from time to time or Florida or other schools. But it plays it's, – it's 89 to 91 – but when he's in the strike zone, his all speed's so good that 89 to 91 plays up. And mm-hmm. um, so he's uh, – I, I hope he has a fantastic and a great year. Uh, he deserves it. He is uh, – I enjoy being in the same dugout with him as well. And uh, he deserves the opportunity to pitch at South Carolina. We put him in a game a couple years ago against Texas, and he had started on the weekend. Um, but it was his bullpen day. And if anyone in our dugout deserved to pitch against Texas, that game, it was Ty Good based on the hours he'd put in the work, the effort he'd given to our program and our team and our school. And uh, 
and he wanted the ball in the seventh inning, and we put him in, is a bet it, domination, domination. And uh, and that was the coolest moment to see, and I hope I get to see that a lot more this spring, you know, in the Gamecock uniform, because I'm a big fan of Ty Good. For anybody that wants to see the College of Charleston play baseball this year, they'll throw the first pitch Friday, February 16th at, at uh, Patriots Point, and they'll be home all 56 games are scheduled. Chad Holbrook does not believe in scheduling. <laughs> that is not true, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll be home till like March 17th. Put it that way. You've got a full month to go watch him play before they hit the road for like Charleston Southern or something like that. So, you know, yeah, it's, uh, we like to stay in these city limits down here. You know, you don't travel much either, Jamie. You, you went no, to I don't. get married, but outside yep. of that, you're in Charleston a lot too, huh? And that and that was enough for me. Well, that one flight, I've hit my quota. <laughs> For the year, that's uh, yeah, I that was that was enough. Uh, low country, I, I've been, I'm a low country boy now, and uh, even and, yeah, yeah, I get it. Get that I pluff get mud it. in you, you can't get it out, can you? You can't, and this is yeah, I live in one of the best places in the world. God, how lucky am I? It's a cool spot. Uh, I do want to mention this though, too. This is pretty funny. Uh, in the chat box, Jan said, I remember looking down from the top of Rosenblatt. It Coach Holbrook trying to figure out how to leap on the dog pile. That dog pile was taller than him. <laughs> hey, it's taller than Coach Tanner, too. I mean, oh, gee, we're, yeah. both, we're both vertically challenged. I mean, yeah, I literally lost my mind. I literally lost my mind. Um, yeah, it's uh, crazy. I mean, and, and I remember, you know, the coolest thing, and I know Gamecocks will appreciate this, and Jan was probably one of them, and I know Jan well. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jan, our short search came in. I got you on the list. They just got in your size. So <laughs> I have not forgot about you. Um, I wanted to run at that point in time in my life, Reese had just got through three and a half years of chemotherapy. So after we'd won and I got off that doll pause, like, where is my, where's Reese and where's Jen and where's Cooper? And, uh, and what, what in the heck is going on with him? So I immediately ran up the steps, the steps on the other side of our dugout to find them. And in uh, passing Gamecock after Gamecock after Gamecock, 45, 50, 55, 60 years old with tears coming down their cheeks. It's, it's a visit. It's, it's something that I'll, I'll, I'll always remember. And I'll, I'll, it's clear as a bell seeing grown men cry um, when, when, when that took place. And uh, – so lucky to be a part of that and grateful to Coach Tanner for allowing me to come be a part of it. And uh, it was a great dugout to be in for sure. I'll admit it. I cried the first one. Second one, I just kind of was arrogant about it. And that's, uh, how, that's, and that's, how the team, that's how the team was. That's how the team was. 2011, I mean, I, I, I hate to use this term, but that 2011 team thought their crap didn't stink, man. I mean, yeah. it, it, was, it was. I mean, they weren't gonna lose. They didn't care who they were playing. It. The, I mean, if there's ever such thing as arrogance being used in a good way, in a positive way, that was the 2011 team. They, wow. they, they just. It didn't matter. I mean, they wanted to. We had a rainout at Georgia. I think in 2011 on Sunday, they called the game kind of quick. I'll be honest with you. It was a little bit of a quick, you know, misty rain cancellation type deal. Our players wanted to go fight their coach. And, uh, I mean, it was – they wanted to be on the field and play. And, uh, and man, I mean, the, we need to have a whole episode on those two teams. I mean, I, I can – you know, and I might do that with our with our with Chin music because there's a number of players I want to talk to to relive some of those moments. And I think it would be 
I think it would be a collector's item for Gamecock fans because there's some stories still out there that have not been told. And uh, I think it would be a really cool episode for sure. I think uh, you just let me know how to help facilitate it. You know, we'll, we'll, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do, you know, we'll you know. Go, we'll go. I want you, yeah, I want you, I, I need you, I need you to help me on one couple of these episodes from time to time. <laughs> I can tell you if we have Chris Aaron on, you'll, oh, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll need to be on it with me. And Chris I started Aaron, that last night, but I took some sick medicine, so I couldn't finish it. I turned finish it, off. it off. If, if, it, if you're I watching will, the yeah. first day, finish that one off. It's one of the, his story, maybe the most fascinating story in athletics that I've ever followed. And uh, I can't wait to share that with our listeners. They, they, they might not know who Chris Aaron is today. If they watch it, they will know. And uh, I yeah. mean, I get emotional just thinking about what that guy did, went through, what his wife went through, what his kids went through and how they stayed together as a family. And then what he's done to this day to give back to young people who are fighting addiction. It's uh, a remarkable, remarkable story. And I've been lucky enough to, you'd be able to call him a friend now. And it's one of the coolest things. Yeah, uh, that is, uh, that's down the road folks. Uh, yeah, Chris yeah. Heron, Google that name, H E R R E N. If you haven't heard the story, it's whew, um, it's something, powerful. something to see. Well, we'll let you run coach. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a big tall lefty in the chat box today too. a former, what? 22, 23 game winner at South Carolina, Jack Winecoop. Oh, you are the, you are the man coach, uh, Virginia beach's finest, uh, Said hello you know, to you. I, I love Jack. I love Jack Winecoop, and he was a great pitcher for us. I'm sorry I couldn't help him get to Omaha, but you know, when I gave him the ball on Friday night, we felt good about our chances for sure. Yeah, he was a good one. He was a good one, and uh, look, he's doing great in the corporate world. Lives there in Columbia, loves Columbia, and uh, that's the true joy of coaching, watching people succeed later in life. And he's certainly succeeding at a high level. I would have never wanted to face him. I know that lefties like that. Nah, give me a, give me a hundred that's straight, but nah, I don't need all that. Um, you know, Hey man, uh, I know you got practice and all that stuff today. So, uh, we got to get you out of here, but, um, we'll, we'll talk to you next week sometime. We'll be texting a little bit later on, but chin music is out now with wit Merrifield. It's on the chief sports app. So make sure you've downloaded our app. Hey, uh, give a hug to miss Jen for us. Thanks, man. I will. And we got Jackie and Witt coming up soon. Uh, Jackie and Wingo coming up too. So we got some good game cuts coming on and I think they'll be great listens. So thank y'all for having me. Well, old squirrel. Yeah. 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 Scotty yeah. answer the question. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Some of these uh-huh. stories that we're going to share on this thing will, will, will might, might stun some folks. I can assure you. <laughs> See you, man. See you, man. Thank you. There you go. Thank Chad Oldbrook. Uh, head coach at the uh, College of Charleston. All right, so we blew through a break, and we're three minutes past due for the top of the hour. Mad Dog probably not very happy, and I don't blame him. So we'll hit a timeout here. Uh, we do have Isaac Trotter coming up in just a little bit. He's got a great piece out on Lamont Paris uh, on 25. Much, much, much more. Got some football to mix in as well. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, always built by the Barndo Co. and served by Chickencock. We'll be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how 
bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, in, in, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Every day by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue in the Midlands, BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com, which Mr. Bill called me last night. And if you are watching, Mr. Bill, I owe you a big apology. I will call you back when I get off the air. Uh, Billy G's Carolina Barbecue sauce is fantastic, and you can have it dropped off at your doorstep to make the meat that you make that doesn't taste very good. You 
jazz it up a little bit. You know, if you don't want to disappoint your neighbors or your friends or your family and you, you got the ribs and you're like, God, I just suck at this. I can't do anything except for go to Wendy's and buy a cheeseburger. Then you need to go to CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com and get some of the secret space and get some of the sweet heat and get some of the Carolina gold and make everybody think you're this great chef that you're not. But they'll save the day. Billy G's CarolinaBarbecue.com to order catering, food trucks, whatever it may be. You might have a company outing coming up. You might have somebody graduating in May or June. Go ahead and get them on the schedule. Trust me. And it's not just barbecue. They can do anything. And don't forget to order the mac and cheese and extra mac and cheese and then more mac and cheese. And ask about their appetizers because you'll eat all those before you even get to the mac and cheese. Then you'll be full and you'll eat more. I've done this before. You can tell, probably tell. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue cannot thank them. Enough for what they do. Oh, it was neat to see Jack Winecoop pop in there. Jack, thanks, man. Uh, if you uh, you come on sometime and talk some baseball with us, if you if you'd like to do that and uh, let people know what you're doing, so they can, uh, if that's somehow helpful to you, let us know and we'll let them know. But good God, he could throw it uh, from the left side when he wore a Gamecock uniform. That was a great conversation with Coach Holbrook. Always love to go back in the in the time machine and and talk about all the things that we enjoyed so much with the people we enjoyed and all those type things so really neat and hopefully all of you can go watch or, or listen to uh chin music which again is out now with whit merrifield we've had a i want to put something together uh we've had a uh a few really good historical game guy baseball interviews lately yeah we're about to have a lot uh, more yeah my, my creative uh can't let the cat out on are kind of turning here a little bit. So stay tuned for those that love Gamecock baseball. Yeah, there's a uh, there's there's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> we just spray Gamecock baseball bullets all over the audience. Yeah, it's baseball season. We're 15 days away from first pitch, so yeah, <laughs> you know we, we're uh, we're close up. <laughs> well, I mean, that sport matters. It matters at the school, you know. I mean, it's yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it matters to everybody, you know, just about. So, uh, yeah. You know. In in this state, I mean, I've said this forever, and people disagree all they want. And that's fine. That's great. The greatest tradition of any athletic program in this state is South Carolina baseball. It's not Clemson football. It's South Carolina baseball because of their success, because of their support, and more than that. Clemson's won, you know, what, three national championships in, in football? Uh, let's see, they bought one, and then they won his last two. And uh, the Gamecocks won a pair, but it's the best tradition this state has got to offer when it comes to any program. Because it's, 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 it's not a pro state. In 1975, when Carolina was playing for its first baseball national championship, yeah, they I'm not played mistaken, for six. It was 75. Yeah, it was 75, 78, 02, uh, 11, 10, 11, I mean, 10, 11, 12. Um, yeah. Clemson yeah, was two losing 56 to 20 to Carolina in football and laying the groundwork for their first national championship. So I would say that when you're talking about tradition and history, that that program has been uh, – I have a, a theory in recruiting called stronger, longer. Uh, I'll use the stronger, longer theory and agree with you there, mm-hmm. JB, that uh, yeah. South Carolina baseball has been relevant on the national scene 
and been stronger longer than, than Clemson football, which had somewhat of a tradition prior to the first national championship, but they really weren't like a national. They've been a national power twice in football, the 80s and then this past decade, the, the 2010s from the midpoint on. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, they've been about like they have been the last couple of years, eight, seven to ten wins. Um, now, they haven't dominated the ACC like they have the last few years, but that's probably more of a what what it says about that particular league than anything else, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the suckiness that has existed there. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Carolina baseball is uh, – I, I could make a strong argument there using, like I said, the stronger longer theory. Well, I can tell you who won't be winning a national championship anytime soon, and it's former Alabama baseball head coach Brian Bohannon. His penalty is out from the NCAA, and for those that uh, forget what happened last year, he was uh, suspended and fired from the University of Alabama as revelations and eventually actual detail came out about his involvement in a betting scheme that included betting on his own baseball team as he managed them in Alabama. So he, he ain't going to be around for a while. Uh, he's got three years of probation. I'm not really even sure why they tacked that on because he's got a $5,000 fine, which who cares? He's got a 15-year show cause, which means if you want to hire him, you have to show cause. Because why? If you do hire him, he is suspended for five regular seasons. <laughs> so, oh, okay, you can hire him. I agree with with your cause as to why you want to bring this guy on staff. He can't coach him for away. five years, but and you can hire him. It doesn't make it. It's like people that get sentenced to 400 years in prison. You're like, right. Yeah, those consecutive life sentences. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to say 578 (laughs) years in prison. Great. Yeah. He's eligible for parole after 550. Okay. But but let let me move this in a different direction because. And I get it. It's it's severe. I mean, by the way, there's. A, I don't really know what you could do. It's it's apples and oranges because this guy's in the NFL. But you're dealing with a much larger betting scheme from what came out last week down in LSU with Kayshawn Butte. All right, but you can give him a show cause all you want to. He he's not coaching or playing any longer at the collegiate level, so that won't matter. But if you're gonna like baseball, I'm not saying that Brian Bohannon doesn't deserve any of this that's not what i'm saying at all what i am saying is baseball as we have long talked about around here which this is always what pisses me off i mean i i I will lose my lunch so i got to be careful because everybody bitches and moans about nil and the money and the market and this uh, baseball is 11.7 scholarships for 27 players okay shove that in your pipe and smoke the hell out of it it's a joke all right it's an absolute joke it's a joke. All these football players and basketball players, all the crap that they get, they don't pay a penny for school, and that is not the case in baseball. These kids are all in debt forever and ever and ever unless their parents come from a bunch of money to be able to pay for their school, okay? Like, some of people are like, well, Smoke was on a full ride. Uh, no, he wasn't. I'm not going to tell you what he was on, but it wasn't even close. So nobody gets in college baseball. 
Okay, and now they're going to hammer Brian Bohannon, which they should hammer, hammer, hammer Brian Bohannon. You want to stop some of this crap that's going on in basketball and, and football and all these other sports, the cheating and the, the NIL and all this junk that, you know, the, hammer them, hammer them, kick them out. You're done. You can't play anymore. You took the money, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Well, you're out. Okay. Coach, did you give them the money? Yeah, I facilitated that. You're out, dude. You're gone. Hammer these people. Like, a lot of this stuff happens because nothing really you gets slapped on the hand or they can't, they take their wins away or whatever it is. Well, you know, they've got a losing record. They, we gave them an 0-12 record from three years ago. What, the, what did that do? The guy's still coaching. So hammer them. You know, the NCAA has no problem hammering this guy because outside of a very small fraction of college sports enthusiasts and people like us who actually cover college baseball, this isn't going to make, this is going to be a headline. It'll go away. No one's going to talk about it tomorrow. It'll be gone. In a week, people are going to be going, oh, yeah, Brian, oh, yeah, I remember who that was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the NCAA's already screwed up so much stuff. They don't have, they can't, I don't really know what they can and can't do anymore. I don't think anybody does. But if you want to, you want to stop some of the crap that happens, hammer them. Hammer them. Just my two cents. I can speak to to the fella in the Carolina Panther blue. Because once once you do that, guess what happens? Just like in Tennessee, they they not only lawyer up, they get state attorney generals involved. Uh, the freaking Department of Justice is involved with one of them, yeah. uh, a transfer situation. Uh, when the government is against you and every attorney and, and swinging, you know what, in the state is against you, you don't have a chance, JP. They can, they can do whatever the hell they want. Uh, and I, it, it kills me to say that at the same time, they brought a lot of it on themselves by being completely irrational and unreasonable uh, about kind of the changing dynamics of the sport. Once the money yeah. got to a certain point, you have to sit there and go, I mean, the, the freaking Olympics did that. The freaking Olympics came down off their high horse and said, all right, you can make endorsement money. We, you know, we don't want you to yeah. starve or whatever. Um, and kept their amateurism. I mean, it, 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 you know, I think part of the big problem with the NCAA is they're run by academic bureaucrats. Those people, I don't know if anybody saw the testimony where the Harvard uh, president, the Penn president, and the Cornell president got up in front of Congress to talk about the the Palestinian thing or whatever. Now, whatever you believe on, that's fine. But if you watch that testimony, they are the most clueless. We don't exist in the real world. Uh, uh, very you know, just stupid people yeah. lack common sense. Uh, that's scared the way most, now, JC. Yeah. Like that's the way most, yeah. Moves. Yeah. They're not, they're not combative at all. And, and so that's who runs the NCAA is the presidents. you not, yeah. not, not, not Ray Tanner and those guys aren't running it. It's these high end academic people. And some of them have never bounced a ball or swung a golf club or, you know, <laughs> they just see it as money coming in. You know, and 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 their jobs through history as school presidents have been to raise money and raise funds. So they see it as this big cash cow. Well, no, no, no. You know, we're not giving you any of our. You know, we don't give our star chemistry student part of our endowment, even though those people can go work and legally and all that. You know, it's just a, it's a mess because of who's been involved. And, and now you've got that academic style bureaucracy in Indianapolis going against attorney generals. Department of Justice, lawyers, i.e. I- politicians. 
Mm-hmm. And, and 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 that end of things, they're dumb too. I mean, and, with, and, and self personal, very self, very self-serving personal interest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It's self-serving. You know, the the yep. the attorney general in West Virginia that sued over the double transfer rule sued because there was a kid at West Virginia that wasn't going to be eligible. Right. I mean, you know, why is the attorney general of the state of Tennessee uh, do? Because it affects the Vols, impacts the volunteers. And it's just, it's just to say, it, it, and when those types of institutions collide, it's just a whole lot of suck. It, it's like, it's like if, uh, you know, like a green blob mated with a, uh, a pile of rubber made purple jello and, and then it, exp- and they, oh, they procreate, something. procreate by exploding into tiny little orbs. You get all that film? Imagine the color and they start growing like fungus. I mean, that that's the type of mess we're looking at with this because of the people involved. You know, people can say what they want about the athletes being so, well, heck yeah, why not? They're their kids. I mean, hmm. when I was 18 and I could get a, if I could get a $1,000, I'd be happy. If I get a million, more power to me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and the coaches don't know what to do. And certainly I think it's hard for coaches because – I've never been anti-coach salary. I, it's some, some of the contracts have made me feel uncomfortable, and most of them just make me wish I'd have, instead of doing this, learned how to coach. <laughs> because some of these guys aren't that smart, and they're you know I'm like, wow, that could have probably been pretty good. I have no depth perception though, so I couldn't have been an offensive coordinator. And nevertheless, I digress. You know, some of those salaries, but you know, most of your coaches out there, guys, care about winning and. Most of them are in it for the right reasons. They they care about the players. You know, a guy like Nick Saban, who's obsessed with winning, say what you want. You can't question the fact that he cares about his players. Right. And, and so their heart's in the right spot. And so now they don't know what to do because it's basically become a job like Pro Bowl. You know, and that's why Jeff Halfley from Boston College said, oh, Green Bay Packers, you want me as your D.C.? I'm out. See you, Chestnut Hill. <laughs> and and you're going to see that more and more. And so the, the, the people that it impacts the most, coaches, players, fans, well, the people that care, the stakeholders, they, they have nothing to do with this now. They can't mm-hmm. solve it. We can't solve it. Every day somebody's like, wish somebody do something. You can't. And guess what? The idiots at the NCAA can't either because everything they try to do, the other idiots on the other side are going to sue them. Because what they're trying to do is get back to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court was very clear and sca- like nine nothing with that bunch. Okay, when they they said they settled the Alston case, which means you know the NCAA was trying to restrict academic money for these guys. When they settled that, that on both sides, Democrat, Republican, whatever, they were very clear. Your business model violates all kinds of the spirit of the law. Blah 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 blah. You know, get out of my sight. <laughs> they got we have other things to do. So, yeah. so what the lawyers are trying to do is get it worked all the way up to the Supreme Court again to blow up the whole thing, which I don't know that that's good either. Because the real problems aren't going to get solved by blowing up the NCAA. Yeah, I, no, they're not. It's, it's It would be a restructuring, but I don't know that we will get that one. What People say, well, that'll never happen. It, it will never happen in due time. It will happen at some point in time. It's it's but it it's it's like you know kind of getting back to the the how this conversation even began with the Brian Bohannon situation. They 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 swung the sledgehammer on him because they can. 
Like that's the bully move that they make when they can make the bully move. You know what I mean? Like they, there's an opening there. There's nothing he can do about it. There's not going to be enough attention on this. Nobody's going to, he, he did screw up. I'm not saying he didn't, he deserves this. if not worse. Um, and the whole nine yards, but they don't swing the sledgehammer in other cases because of what everything you just said to, to essentially to summarize, they're scared to death of what's going to happen because everything that they do, what, what happens? You get everything you just pointed out. You get uh, senators and governors. I mean, the Tez Walker situation in North Carolina, the governor, the North Carolina, the state of North Carolina has enough issues. All states do. They all have enough. And the governor's writing a letter to the NCAA threatening all kinds of legal action, this, that, and the other for this player who ended up not even playing in the bowl game. I mean, I mean, what are we doing? But like and, and, NCAA, they, they, they that's what they get every time that they do swing a sledgehammer, right? And make a decision that becomes a political and uh, public spectacle, essentially. You made a great point there talking about the politicians writing letters and threatening legal action. A big problem in our country in general, and I'll say this briefly, is lawmakers don't make laws anymore. They're scared. They're scared because th- their whole purpose, because those are cushy, cushy jobs, fellas. Um, sure. yeah. Their whole thing is to get elected every two years or six. They don't want to do anything to upset anybody. And so they punt it to the courts. That's why the Supreme Court's so busy with every, they decide that the Supreme Court decides just about everything in our country now because lawmakers won't make laws. And, and that's the same thing with this situation. They don't want to go to Congress and say, hey, can we take 30 minutes and hammer out something to save college sports? Can we just do that, please? We could debate it for a day. We could take a day to save one of our country's institutions, right, and to make it reasonable and equitable for everybody. They won't. They're trying to punt it again. It's going to go to the before the nine justices one day. And the justices aren't legislating. They're just going to blow the whole thing up. Okay. And then it's going to really be crazy. Yeah. Really be crazy. I, uh, I a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, we have a neat guest coming up here in just a minute. Isaac Trotter, who wrote, uh, a column yesterday. That would be an entire month ago because today's February. So he wrote this all the way back in January about Wisconsin's fingerprints in Lamont, Paris. Uh, looks look forward to getting to him. Read a couple of quick things uh, from the uh, Nana Sports chat box. Craig's got uh, the Andul odds on the game Saturday in Athens at uh, Carolina in Carolina's favor at minus five and a half. Um, Quantrell eleven point seven. Didn't know that. Why is it so low in baseball? You know, well that goes back to Title Nine, my man. Title Nine is when all this began. Um, they have baseball finally has the fourth coach. Uh, in softball, but um, still can't figure out why they won't allow an increase in scholarships. It's been it's been pretty much baffling. M- WJM four scholarships in baseball are next to nothing. I I know I've been there. Um, totally understand that. What JCP? Why am I? Why is JB always so angry and yelling at the audience? I don't even know how to answer that. Did, have I been chat angry or that? Am I always angry and yelling? Do y'all need me to? No. Why am I mad at the listeners about this? Conversation? I didn't think Is you were mad fault? at the listeners. No, <laughs> it was just like, but but yeah, you do. It. I mean, Whoa. I don't think a lot of people understand <laughs> because you're the one that made these rules, JCB. <laughs> like, he I'm out of you, you and Clint. The, the hell with the two of you. He was talking about nil, and because there there are some people that that talk crap about. Am I, am I always angry? Nil. 
No. No. Okay. I just want to make sure. I've been doing this for 10 years. That'd be the first time I've ever heard that. Uh, Angry. uh, um, You're an angry bird. He's an angry. Tweet, tweet. He's an angry. (laughs) It's not. Uh, not. I'm looking for some joy. Uh, You know, I don't know. Well, well done, my man, my man, Bruin Nation, sli- uh, sliding in with the, with the uh, my my type of humor, the dry humor. Bruin right, is um, actually like if it happened to USC, the, our lawmakers would disappear and let the NCAA bury us. Yeah, well, half of them would. I've seen that happen yeah. firsthand yeah. couple couple summers ago with the whole board of trustees thing. I, I've yeah. seen how the other side operates that that's a government, and it was kind of shocking because you just think both schools would just kind of understand one another but but no there's definitely uh in our government in our state no love loss uh and and it's it's really more on their side than than it is on carolina's because i think carolina people are pretty reasonable when it comes to decisions like that we need to uh step aside uh isaac trotter is up now this is gonna be a great conversation cannot wait to have him on about his column with uh that he wrote about lamont paris he'll join us next right here on inside the gamecocks the show The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up a screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns to Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Hey, it's Kate.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the boy tell him, I know about the bitch, turn my swag on. Took a lick in the mirror and said, what's up? What's up? Yeah, I'm getting money. Yeah, they got that. Lots of swag now will be more than likely should be in the top 25 uh, next week when the polls come out as the Gamecocks sit at 18 and three, six and two in the SEC following a pair of upsets over the Kentucky Wildcats last Tuesday. And then this Tuesday, it was up in Knoxville against Tennessee, took down Missouri last weekend. Let's not forget about those guys. Whatever, you know, you, you, you get the point. The Daily Dish. Uh, I'm going to quote it here. Wisconsin's fingerprints are all over Lamont Paris's turnaround of South Carolina basketball was written by Isaac Trotter with 24-7 Sports, and he has been kind enough to join us today to talk about this column and what his eyeballs have seen from this program through the first few months of the season. What's up, man? Glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of a fun ride seeing a team come out of nowhere a little bit and really exceed expectations in a way that a lot of people, I think, nationally weren't really ready for this. But, man, they, they passed the eye test right now. And South Carolina looks like a team that we have to take seriously from a national perspective. So, yeah, perfect. Well done. We'll, we'll just start right there. Just if, for, without getting too much into your column, you can reference it wherever you want to. But just in watching them play basketball, obviously the last now seven, nine days, really people are paying attention. And, and seeing what's going on here and stuff like that. But just from a basketball perspective, what, what's impressed you the most? Yeah, it's like one of those situations where you looked at that non-conference play, and I think they're 303rd nationally in strength of schedule from non-conference. It's like, all right, let's get to the let's get to the meat of SEC play, and we'll see how legit this team is. And they've really shown it. I mean, even that Alabama game, like they played a good half of basketball. They just had one kind of bad 20-minute stretch there. That's that's kind of it. And this group just works together. It's it's one of those situations yeah. where I felt like every single one of these newcomers have really complimented and gotten the most out of Michi Johnson. And when you're able to do that and you find the right pieces out of the portal, I think everybody's trying to find the right guys out of the portal. But the guys that also elevate your returners – that's where you see like a special combination here. And so I think that that's what South Carolina has really done. Like Talon Cooper, he was a guy that last year at Minnesota, I wasn't sure if he was necessarily a winning player. He had a lot of turnovers. He made a lot of plays like the, the raw assist numbers look good, but the turnovers were jarring. Sometimes it felt like the spacing that he brought to the floor was a little bit of an issue. And this year, his ability just to sidle up next to, to Michi and, and add just something different, take the ball out of his hands a little bit, get him more into a score first role where he can kind of set the table and get Michi going. That feels like a great combination for both guys. And I think we're seeing the best basketball from both Michi Johnson and Talon Cooper. And I think Lamont Paris has a big reason why. that He's a really big reason why both these guys are meshing together and playing at a high level. So this is, if, if you subscribe to the Big Spur, by the way, this is on the front page of the Big Spur. JC, I know you want to jump in and ask a question, but I, I, I do really have to read word for word uh, the, the first sentence 
uh, that you wrote in this column here, Isaac, and I'm going to quote it here. These are, these are his words, not mine, of course, but quote, if you still have a DVD player in parentheses, I don't, I'm a 97 kid and a handy 1899. I don't, I'm a writer. (laughs) You can rent a DVD from hoops King to get inside Bo Ryan's brain and learn all about the transition defense that made Wisconsin one of college basketball's premier programs since 2000. That's a brilliant, that's a brilliant start to that thing. I just want to give you a round of applause. Well done, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, that one kind of came out of nowhere and I'm I'm happy for it. Like I'm happy it went well, but I mean it's legit true. Like you see some of the numbers right now that and this this transition defense is locked in and really, really good and it's easy to see some of the, the parallels between what Wisconsin was. And, you know, I'm from the Midwest, right? I was born and raised in Illinois. So I, I've seen Wisconsin basketball. I'm real familiar with it. And so then when you see ter- South Carolina, too, it's like, I, I know this story. I know how this works. And teams just do not get easy buckets against them in transition. Part of it is they do a good job of not turning the basketball over as well. But they're very dialed in with their transition defense, picking guys up, not allowing open threes. It's, it's a really, really good recipe to keep yourself in ball games. It'd be crazy, like from like little youth league, church league, little kids. Like the first thing I remember my coach telling me when I was seven, walking on a basketball court, get back on defense and get your hands up. Isn't it amazing how that one fundamental that's preached since the beginning of time makes a huge difference at the college level? I mean, it's absurd. So, Illinois, so are you in Chicago land? I was out. I'm a small town in central Illinois. We had like 5,000 people there, right? But basketball oh. is king in central Illinois. Yeah. So that, that's where I'm at. It's like around Bloomington normal. So, so but you, you, you live in central Illinois still? I'm, I'm currently up in Chicago, but yeah, I'm from, I'm from the cool. central Illinois area. Yeah. Well, well you are going to be, you are about to be yeah, friends. Yeah. I live in Chicago. I live outside. I live at Homer Glen, which is in Will County near Joliet, New Orleans, and all that in the Southwest it suburbs. Looks so. like we're going to get some Pequods together later. Yeah, so it's like you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my 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 wife is actually from here, so I'm kind of well, I'm loaned uh, I'm on loan from the south for a little. So while. Isaac, before we get any further into this, all right, let's let's, let's get your your you're you're from that area. JC does this all the time, so we're gonna we're gonna force him to do this. Give us your Chicago accent, see, and let's let's get a judge on whether this is real or fake. Come on, man. I, I'm honestly not the guy I, for this, but like, no, no, I, I JC, we're going to get JC okay, to do okay, it. You, okay, you, okay. But you give him a, yeah, a rating. Yeah, he's one to he's one central to Illinois, central Illinois. The further South you get, the more they sound like us. Like if you okay. go much further past Champaign, they're like, Hey, how you do? What's going on? I live in the land of Lincoln. How about you? But uh, yeah, they ran a guy for governor up here that talked like that. I was like, oh, that's a bad. No, he's never going to win in Chicago. But yeah, yeah, you know, up here in Chicago, we got the beef sandwich, we got Portillas, we got uh, the Bears. They suck. They're terrible. Ryan Pulse. I don't know if he's going to trade Justin Fields or not. And the Bulls with Billy Donovan. Oh my God. And the Blackhawks. They had that kid. He's good. He's got a broken jaw now. I just don't think they're ever going to come back. Don't even get me started about the White Sox. And we don't talk about the Cubs because they're a tourist attraction. Isaac, I mean, if that's not a ten out of ten, I don't know what is. That's, I mean, that's, pretty that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Isaac, All right. Now, now, give him your coach Orgeron impression, and oh then let's, God, let's get him to grade grade this one. You can do it. I'll say this right now. I don't know if I can go from Chicago to Coach O 
at the same time. But I'll, I'll say this, I'm having a good time down here in Destin, Florida. I've got my 18 million, I'm counting. I take a big bath in a tub of butter with two naked women and uh, seen go tigers. Uh, don't mess with me. I'll come into the shrimp basket with my shirt off and, and fight you right now. Because I'm Coach O celebrating endless summer. We have a hard body contest at 5 o'clock on the beach. J.C. Sherbert, the two-time defending champion. He will be here. Anyway, I could go on and on, man. Are but you this ever is your segment, Isaac. No. It's your segment, Isaac. We want to talk to you. I wasn't very specific with Isaac about why he was coming on. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. He's, he's uh, about to have technology problems here in a second. Yeah, I, I had no yeah, idea. You, I had no idea you were in Chicago. That's awesome. So, <laughs> That's uh, but anyway, okay. So, so the Bo Ryan thing. So, so <laughs> getting back on it, it you, yeah, you followed obviously Big Ten basketball for a long, long time. Before they hired, I guess Coach Bennett. Before it was, but before ben, Ryan, it was Coach Bennett. They weren't very good, right? They had, had a national championship, I think, in the forties, and, and that was it. But in the Big Ten is a tough conference year in and year out with some traditional powers. Although Purdue will never win the national championship, in my opinion, they're going to get beat in the Sweet Sixteen again this year, like they always do. And Purdue Pete is a horrifying mascot. Nevertheless, don't digress. So, so they got Coach Bennett in there. He has obviously, you see what his son does at Virginia. It's it's a distinct style. Bo Ryan, same way. Now Greg Gard. If you're South Carolina, this program was a powerhouse in the '70s in the ACC in a different era of basketball. Since that point, they have an SEC championship in '97 and a Final Four run in 2017 that came out of nowhere. You look around the SEC and you see the athleticism. You see the coaches in this league. Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. You got one NCAA tournament in 19 years. Do you think it was somewhat smart to maybe say, hey, let's be different? Let's not be Kentucky or Alabama or let's go out there and, and do things a little different, you know, with an eye toward what Wisconsin's been able to accomplish for the better part of two decades now in the Big Ten. No, I think it's a good point. Uh, it's also one of those situations where it's like, yeah, we're different, but like this, this wins games in the regular season. And like, this gives us a chance. And the one thing that I keep noticing with South Carolina too, is like, usually we talk about basketball, like transition defense, you usually have to sacrifice something. That one thing you sacrifice is usually offensive rebounding. South Carolina is a really good offensive rebounding team too. So they're yeah. doing both their offensive rebounding and getting second chance opportunities at a high level. Oh, and we're going to go get back in transition and make sure we have a, a really fortified transition defense. So I think it's a good point of trying to find ways to win differently, but I still think you need athletes, right? And South Carolina does have that a little bit as well. Like Colin Murray Boyles, like I'm, I'm already read all in on that guy, like being a really, really big time piece. I was looking at some numbers preparing for this a little bit. Did you know that South Carolina's defense when you against high major competition, right? Like top 150 nationally, their defensive rating with Murray Boyles on the floor is 90. When he's off the floor, it's about 105. That's a 15 wow. point swing per 100 possessions, right? He is a complete game changer for them. So he gives them that like SEC, like super twitchy athlete that you normally see mixed with a, a different style. And I, I think that's kind of the, the brilliance of what Lamont and this crew and this coaching staff is, has really dialed into. To I'm glad you hit on that because it really is like anytime Lamont really speaks and you you know in some more in depth interviews, not just courtside or whatever, he always says it's not just having players, but it's having the right players for what he's trying to do. So it's like he is going out and everybody's like, well, it's a team full of transfers, but I mean, he's really zeroed in on who he wants and feels is going to fit this perfectly. 
Yeah. And the other thing too, I think a lot about like one way versus two way guys. And like, I think a lot of times in the past, Michi Johnson was kind of viewed as a one way guy. I think he's tapping into a little bit more of a two way guy than he is. Like what we've seen from Miles Studi this year, like, all right, I have a bias of basketball players. I like six foot seven dudes that hit threes, but can't dribble. Maybe I, that's just, that's my bias. Miles Studi's my guy, right? Like that's the type of player that I like because he fits all of those different things. But I think we've seen a different version from him this year. Like it's not just catch and shoot threes. He's able to do a little bit more off the bounce this year. You're seeing him get a little bit more deflections this year, especially defensively. And so like how many two-way guys can you stack on this roster? Whether that's from the portal, whether that's developing them, whether that's recruiting them from the high school ranks, that's like the the thing that I keep looking at. And it feels like South Carolina is way more way more two-way guys than I thought that they initially had in the preseason and what they had mm-hmm. last year, for sure. You know, a couple a couple of um, – man, you've got some great observations. So I, I want to add a couple of things to this. One on CMB, he that ball comes off the rim. Boy, he snatches it out of the air, doesn't he? I mean, it is it is aggressive stuff. But um, I want to go back to Michi for a minute because Michi has been – he's had some struggles offensively the last few games, and – and obviously, from a fan's perspective, that is concerning to people. I'm not so sure that it's concerning to Lamont Paris. Um, when you heard him, I don't know if you heard it specifically, but we did after uh, the last game. He was talking about BJ Mack, and and BJ was struggling from long range in the game. But Lamont's like, shoot it, you're open. Shoot it, you're open. Shoot it, you're open. Um, that and he had struggled earlier in the year, and then he got hot and got going. Um, also earlier in the year, Josh Gray really disappeared. I mean, here's a guy who kind of felt like he was part of this program, Isaac, and, uh, and had some growing pains, didn't even play for a couple of games, was getting two, three minutes and nothing and ran off the floor, uh, before one game was even over, ran to the locker room on his own, didn't shake hands. You, You felt like things could, could go, I don't know here. So. I'm trying to figure out the exact right way to ask this question, but I might have to ask a two-parter here to you. Number one, what have you seen and learned about Lamont Paris's ability to create a healthy locker room, especially when you bring in all of these transfers? It's very look what's going been going on in Arkansas. That's number one. Number two, what have you learned and seen about Lamont Paris about how he has helped his players? grow through their struggles and their issues in season and still feel like they have a role on the team. Yeah, I I think winning helps, right? Winning makes every locker room come together 100%. in a big way. Yeah. And and so that that's a huge thing, but I think proof of concept is also super super important. And like you you look in early in the year, maybe that Grand Canyon win should have told us a little bit more cuz that's a really talented team. Right. But that proof of concept, like they they saw it a little bit against Clemson. But I thought that Mississippi State game was really like that. Hey, here's here's where we're at. Like this, our program is at a different spot than what we might have initially thought, because Mississippi State will beat the hell out of you. And they're super, right. super physical. And I felt like South Carolina took a lot of those blows and pushed back and punched back in a really big way. And then I thought we saw a lot of those same principles against Tennessee. That Tennessee defense is super, super physical. And they, I felt like South Carolina wasn't scared about that at all. They they were really, really finishing through contact. B.J. Mack finishing through contact at a high, high level as well. And so I think that buy-in is a little bit easier because, you know, the one thing we talk a lot about is, like, have you gotten transfers from winning programs? South Carolina didn't do that, right? Like, like B.J. Mack, they, had, they won a decent amount of games at Wofford. That's a good team there. But, like, Miles Studi, like, 
Vanderbilt wasn't great last year. Talon Cooper, no. Minnesota wasn't great last year. Like you kind of look at those. I, I mean, even Michi Johnson, Ohio State's a decent team, but he wasn't a huge part of like that winning program that they had there. He was only there a couple years. So like his ability, like his ability to take guys from losing cultures and get them to all buy in on winning, that's maybe as more important to me than almost anything like he does that from the X's and O's perspective, because this just doesn't happen. We see teams from lose Arkansas, all of their transfers are from losing teams for the most part, but, and it's kind of been a disaster this year, as you said. Yeah. And then, you know, the guys that came back from South Carolina, obviously have not had a whole ton of success, uh, but they lost a school record 21 games last year. So that was, uh, uh, was some good moments. You mentioned Talon Cooper, obviously being a big 10 guy, he was really good at distributing the basketball on a, on a not so good Minnesota team last year. Uh, can you tell any difference between his game uh, from last year to this year? It seems like his shots falling a little more. He's, he's a little bit more of a scoring threat, but still uh, a pretty elite distributor of the basketball. He looks way more comfortable getting to his spot from three, especially there were times where he was really hesitant to really fire that thing up. Even though he had good percentages, it was almost like one of those guys that's like, hey, I know I'm shooting mid-30s from three, so I'm not going to take a ton of attempts so I can keep that number in that 35 36% range, and that looks better. This year, I feel like he's he's just playing with a lot of confidence. And he was huge against Tennessee, right? The four threes are there, but the consistency lately too. What is? I mean, I think he's made multiple threes and six of his last seven games shooting over 50% from three-point range in SEC play is a game changer. And when you're able to add that, I just feel like we talk a, a ton about like development and getting transfers and stuff like that, but getting old helps too. And this is a fifth-year senior, right, playing his best basketball of his life. And I think it's coming at just the right time. It's like that's that's what I love about college basketball. There's still a place for development in college. Like you don't necessarily have to jump to the next level right away. And his ability just to get better and better and better and better. And he's – I mean, this is his best basketball he's playing. You know, I think the assist numbers aren't necessarily as – eye-popping as last year, but I still think his decision-making has been better. That turnover rate is way down compared to what it was in the past, and his potential assist numbers are high, too. Guys are just missing shots, right? He's creating good looks. They'll change, maybe change his assist rate or assist numbers a little bit, too. So I've been impressed with him. You know, you look at this backcourt compared to the rest of the SEC, I mean, Michi Johnson and, and Talon Cooper together I don't think would have been number one in the preseason or maybe even top five, but They've been as good as almost anybody in the league to, throughout this year, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, if you can get Michi hitting at the rate in which you know he can hit, ooh, watch out. I mean, they could be dangerous in a hurry. Uh, when Bo was coaching, or Coach Ryan was coaching at, uh, at Wisconsin, and the same thing with, with, with Coach uh, Greg Gard, do you feel like when you see them on the floor, do you feel like you see a reflection of Bo Ryan out there in, in, in this players? Or is there is there every year, is there one player in particular? You don't have to name the player, but just the casual question. When Wisconsin plays basketball, do you feel like there's one guy on the field or collectively a group of guys that directly reflect the head coach, how they act, how they move, all those type things? No doubt. Yeah. No, I mean, okay. when I think when I think of Wisconsin basketball player, I think of Brad Davison taking a billion charges and knocking down clutch threes. Right. Like that's what I think of with, with Wisconsin. But I do think like you have to have, an, you know, if, if your point guards an extension of the head coach, that's obviously a big deal. And Wisconsin's guard play lately has been really, really darn good. And their ability to change, too. They've evolved and changed. And the thing I keep thinking about, like with Wisconsin, and South Carolina is like, hey, do you have like that second gear that you can get to? Like, hey, we're going to probably play at a lower tempo. We're probably going to try to grind out these games. You had that second gear, that killer gear that you can get to. I didn't know if South Carolina had that 
until they beat Kentucky by 17, until they ran away from them a little bit. And that's yeah. where, that's where like Wisconsin this year, they have that killer gear. South Carolina's having that killer gear a little bit more lately. If that can stick, if that can change and, and be something that you can rely on moving forward, that's where I feel like you can start to think about, hey, like, is there a roadmap for, you know, Wisconsin to win the Big Ten, which they might. And is there a roadmap for South Carolina to potentially win the SEC, which they have a chance to, which is sounds bonkers in, right. in February 1st compared to where we were a couple of months ago. It's it, it, I asked you that question because when I, I want you to answer the same question for Lamont, you kind of just did. But like. When you see Lamont Paris on the sideline and then you watch these guys, he even made the comment the other day. He said, sometimes that's why I don't call a lot of timeouts. You know, I tell my guys, you got yourself out of this mess, you got to get yourself out of it. Uh, it. It's really a fascinating. It's been fascinating because last year, full transparency here, Isaac, I, I don't want to say I was critical and I, who the hell am I to be critical? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm a nobody. I don't know anything about. What I've, Lamont's forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. Um, but I didn't know like who they were or what they were trying to be. It didn't make any sense to me. I've watched Gamecock basketball for, for almost 40 years. And watching this, this strange dynamic where you've got Gigi Jackson and what do we do with him? He needs the ball and he, he wants to be the guy. And then you had all these other dudes and it was really discombobulated and it seemed broken and fractured and, it was like, oh, golly, what are they trying to do here? But he, but it looked like he came in, instead of being the coach, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to adjust what I do to the talent that I have. He came in and said, no, this is going to be my system, and we're going to recruit to it. And and so now when I see these guys running around the floor, personally speaking, that's why I wanted to ask you, it, just, it looks like five of them nurses out there. They're coaching each other. They communicate well. It's It's been fascinating to see the turnaround. Yeah, it's connected. They're really connected. And, you know, I think it takes time too. like those early years at Chattanooga weren't very good. Right. Like I think they were 10 and 23 in his first year, maybe 12 and 20 in his second year. And it took a little bit of time for him to kind of get going a little bit. And by the end of it, you know, that Chattanooga team probably had a chance to beat Illinois in that first round of the NCAA tournament in 2022, just to the last play there. It felt like they started to feel like him again. And that's where I felt like the South Carolina group, like it needed a little bit of time. Like last year in the SEC, there's so many brand new coaches. And I remember talking to a couple of people who watched South Carolina a ton. And they're like, did we hire the worst coach? Like, do we are we in a worse spot than all of these other first year coaches? I think that was a legit conversation that people were having now. Things are completely different because, like you said, this is this is connected. And whatever they had last year compared to what they have this year, it feels just like a breath of fresh air, doesn't it? It just is. Oh, it's yeah. a, almost like a completely different team, and do that's you, you, that's a big credit. This is a hard question, and it's not a fair one. Do you think they would have been better without Gigi Jackson last year? Boy, I don't know, man. Right? Like, I I don't know. I think it just kind of depends on what you do, right? Like, if you don't take Gigi, does that mean you? You look for something different in the transfer portal. You're trying to get a little bit older with that extra spot there. Like, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I don't think he necessarily helped them. I think he's a great player. Like we've seen in, at Memphis, I think he's had a really, really nice year, his development and everything. I just don't know if he was ready to be the number one guy as a young guy in the SEC with their new first year coach with a bunch of newcomers and a new system. It felt like everything went wrong that could go wrong. So maybe, maybe I think you might be right if they go in the portal and maybe add some some more of a veteran flavor. But that group had a lot more issues than just Gigi, even though he Man. had his fair share of issues as well. And and you, you JC has said this numerous. There was no way 
that they weren't taking Gigi Jackson. You had to take Gigi yeah, Jackson. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's the best player in the country. He's in your backyard. You take him. Um, but it, it it's it's just interesting to look back on it uh, and try to help wrap your head around. You know, was it was it really that bad? It, you know, I don't know. Worth I mean, look, there were some moments last year where they did some. You could tell there was some good coach. I mean, winning at Rupp, they beat Clemson. Uh, they Apparently, almost, winning at Rupp's not that bold anymore. I guess not. <laughs> they they had it. Arkansas on the ropes at home. They had Alabama on the ropes at home. They ended up debuting. It just it looks like this year that Lamont Paris is coaching the way he wants to coach, and I don't think that was the case last year. I think he was just trying to get through, and and you know, it's hard to put a guy like Jackson into this structure and tell him to get back on defense and all this stuff, which he certainly was terrible at, at getting back on defense last year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, I think I think the connected, like you said, Isaac's probably the, the right term. Well, and I yeah. also wonder how much of a, a building block this gives them moving forward in the portal. Like if you're, if you're a guy in the portal and you say, Hey, what'd you do with BJ Mack? What'd you do with Talon Cooper? What'd you do with Miles Sudi? Like that, that stuff matters. Like those guys look at what you've done in the past with transfers. Wake Forest is a great example of that. Guys coming to Wake Forest because they want to kind of join that Steve Forbes train. That's where I look at this group moving forward. Like if you get Michi back next year, you get uh, CMB back next year, uh, you know, can you get like what what are you looking at in the portal? Like what can you do and how many of these guys can you do this again with? Because I think a lot of people are going to look at South Carolina a whole lot differently than what they did in the past. And that might give you access to a different version of transfer. Now, is that always a good thing? Not, not necessarily. Sometimes it's it's you need to find your right guys. But I do I do wonder if their sell on the portal has changed significantly this year, just based off these guys coming in and, and being really productive. And well, they're doing it a large pool, right, to choose from. So you actually, you know, Coach Paris can actually look at the guys in the portal and be like, yeah, you know what, you may not be the best fit over here, but you know, he's got a couple other guys that he can say, hey, you yeah. know. I'm be happy to have you not just taking what you can get yeah that's a good yeah, point yeah, which which is not a place that south carolina traditionally has found itself <laughs> yeah you you almost wonder if the transfer portal was as easy as it was when he first got to chattanooga as it is now had would that turnaround have been a little bit quicker uh and i bet it would have just based on what we're what we're seeing now uh the column is up uh, it's if you're a subscriber to the Big Spur, it's there. Twenty four seven Sports, of course, has it as well. Isaac Trotter uh, it came out yesterday. Wisconsin's fingerprints are all over Lamont Paris's turnaround of South Carolina basketball. We clearly have just discussed a ton of stuff, but really some neat, neat stuff in this in this column. I would suggest everybody read it. Uh, we we you're such a great guest. We'd like to have you back in the future, but we we can't let you go without playing uh, this this brand new game that's spreading itself across the country we invented it it's called hi my name is are you up for a quick minute hi my name is with us i'm ready okay all right phil hit it let's do it hi my name is my name is my name is All right. Well, we know his name is Isaac Trotter, and he is a national writer for 24-7 Sports. So we've got that part down. So now we're going to really throw some stuff at you and see what happens here, okay? Seinfeld or Cheers? Cheers. Probably a good answer. I like that. I like that. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Are you a deep dish guy, like Chicago style, or are you a North New York, Detroit I'm I am I don't just uh what whatever the word is I'm not anti any pizza all pizza is good for me but I do like deep dish. 
<laughs> oh, all pieces is good for me too, dude. I'll be honest with you. MJ or LeBron? I'm a 97 kid, so I got to go. I, you'd think I'd go LeBron, but I'm going to go with MJ. My dad was a huge fan, and I've watched all, The Last Dance turn me. So, I, MJ. <laughs> nice. I like that. Favorite vacation spot? I went down to Cabo a couple years ago. That was that was sweet. I like that. That's a good That's a good vacation spot. So, that's your favorite. You're, you're a yeah. beach guy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. We'll end it on this one and get you out of here. You're in the Super Bowl. You're you're coaching in the Super Bowl. And you, outside of Tom Brady, you have your pick of any quarterback ever in their prime. But it can't be Tom Brady. Who are you taking? Best quarterback alive, Patrick Mahomes. But if I had to go two, I would go Josh Allen. So you're, you're a present-day guy. You're not going to go back and be there. Yeah, I am. Well, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to go down as the best quarterback to ever play this game. Hey, wow. There's an argument to be made that he is the MJ of football. Just like, yeah. It's early. It's early. Yeah. It's a good point. He could win his third. And then everybody starts comparing him to Tom Brady, who won six. I don't, I don't think it's fair just yet, but I, I get it. I understand why it would come up. Okay. Present day. We need to ask that question to more people and see who brings up Montana and, you know, those type of guys. Good stuff. All right. So, where do we rank him in our Hi, My Name is guest? Is he somewhere near the top? Cabo? Like the the, the, the MJ thing with, with the 97? Yeah, an older soul. Pushes, pushes him up yeah, there. That's an old soul. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's up there. He's yeah, I'm with there. you. I, I agree with that. Isaac Trotter, make sure you follow him uh, on Twitter. We have uh, retweeted some things from him from the Big Spur page and our own individually. But, again, go read that call. Really appreciate your uh, accepting our invite to to come hang out with us today. I hope we didn't make it too weird. No, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Isaac. We'll have you back soon, okay, brother? Sounds good, man. Anytime. Thank you. There you go. Isaac Trotter with uh, 24-7 Sports. And we'll let Eminem just take us to break because we've got to hit one of those. I, I want to let everybody know that uh, that, that article is not behind a paywall. So if, even if you're not a subscriber to the Big Spur, we certainly yeah, want you to be. You can go over there and read it for free. Uh, and it's a good one. Really good stuff about Wisconsin, Paris, all that. Yeah. Really, really well written from your, your brother from another mother up there in uh, Chicago land. Pretty cool. Don't go anywhere. We go from Eminem to Hootie right here on ITG when we return. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others.
South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's 2024 and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? We've well, got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta Packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsaritas is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arena again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for sandwiches every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 rescues and resin proud supporters of carolina rise they are also proud partners of the show they make products you can't get anywhere else custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate make your home or make anything stand out 
Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. They shop at Gamecock tradition, Traditions. I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know if I can I legally wouldn't. say that, but I did. GamecockTraditions.com for your Q-Zip. Hey, 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 let's make it a party. Anybody got five bucks? Can I borrow five bucks, JC? Phil, can I borrow five five bucks? Five bucks. Somebody give me five dollars. That's all it costs to get into the Colonial Life Arena next Tuesday for Ole Miss. Upper deck tickets, five dollars. Five dollars. <laughs> Five can give you some of this U.S. bank money. <laughs> JC, give me some of that bank money. I saw, I saw the email. Give me some of that bank money. Yeah, give, give me twenty. I got twenty dollars. Uh, I should go and schedule an in-person appointment. <laughs> yes, you should. You really should. You should walk through that. the door and see what somebody says. So I got the I get my my cane and my sequin coat and put it on. Mm, 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 oh my god. Five dollars tickets. Five dollars tickets. Get your five dollars is not bad. I mean, that's you know, seriously. How much cheaper can it get? I mean, yeah. Here's what you do: you're you're going to save the money if you don't have the cues. If you go to Gamecock Traditions or go to the website GamecockTraditions.com, order your cues up, or go get it in Lexington or uh, Village uh, Sandhill, and then you spend for a family of four twenty dollars on tickets. Matt Odom. Matt Odom said the other day, uh, he's setting upper deck for the Missouri game. Or Matt, I'm sorry, Matt Anderson. He used to be Matt Odom. Then he got married. I don't know. It's a long story. Matt Anderson was telling me the other day, he sat in section 228. Uh, and I think it's in the upper deck. And he, he was talking, there's actually a YouTube short on our YouTube channel about like how that's a cool, underrated spot in yeah. the CLA. 
Uh, and there's really not the, the upper deck seats in that arena are not bad. I mean, they are no, actually. No. I mean, there's not a bad seat in the house. So five bucks, that's a deal. I mean, $5. it kind of surprises me because I would have thought maybe five dollars. I don't know. Maybe they had they were selling them a little bit better, but uh, I guess those weeknight games. I mean, you're basically drawing from Columbia, and, and it's not a night. It's not a nine o'clock game, is it? Isn't it seven? I think six thirty. Six thirty. Six thirty. So it's early. Six thirty is still not a great time, dude. Because if you get off at five and you live in Irmo and you got to go all the way home and get dressed and get ready, and then you don't have time to eat. I mean, really, seven thirty is a good tip-off time. Maybe with this new SEC deal, that's all we, ESPN and Disney, they can fix this because they don't maybe. have any more. They won't have any more Big Ten to worry about. Yep. And the Pac-12 yep. is gone, and the Big Twelve yep. is mostly in the Central Time Zone. So it's ACC, SEC, you know, come on. And the ACC plays all these mostly Mondays and Thursdays, and they're not yeah, on the, the, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday schedule. Yeah, I, I'm pretty doubtful uh, on that They because they, they they already do fit it all in. Like if you if you notice, most, uh, most all like the Big Ten ball games that are played and stuff, I mean, you, you've got Big 12, and that's not changing. Um, but Big Ten is mostly uh, Fox, Big Ten Network, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports South, whatever. Uh, you've got the 6.30, 8.30 windows for basketball on the SEC Network uh, so you can get the, I'm not, you know, trying to time it right. I'm not sure the Big Ten didn't go away basketball-wise this year. The, yeah. Yeah, it did. No, that TV contract was this year because the was the Big yeah. Ten – the was the Big Ten still? Weren't there some get? No, the Big Ten was not on on Disney because the, the, the CBS thing started this year. Right. The only so, the only thing said same SEC stayed on CBS for one more year. Yeah. So yeah. So, so, so like for instance, like this Saturday, you've got four Big Ten games on Fox Sports One, the Big Ten Network, and on Fox. Yeah, it's all on that end. And I did see a game on Peacock the other night, uh, in because it's uh, NBC CBS. I didn't realize uh, this. One o'clock Sunday on CBS, second ranked Purdue at sixth ranked Wisconsin. Oh boy, that will be yeah. yeah. The place will be a madhouse, Madison. Let's look oh, here, man. Like seven weeks from now, and you get Wisconsin versus South Carolina in the tournament. Oh, and All the I national say to that is uh, yeah. take the under. That'll be neat. Yeah, national championship, <laughs> uh, Lamont Parish versus Greg Gard, and the, that's, that's what's coming. Well, you heard it here first on February the first, one twelve p.m. Play Purdue at some point because Purdue always gets upset. That's right. By the way, the coach, you're talking about the coach of Northwestern end up on a one line somewhere. You know who, who Northwestern's coach is? It's Chris Collins that used to play at Duke. Chris uh, Collins, the yeah. son of one Doug Collins, who used to be the coach yeah. of the Bulls. He's been at Northwestern like 10 years. Best coach they've ever had by a mile. He's um, – I don't uh, know if he'll be good in the next game. After if he, well, if he makes it to the tournament this year, he's like, that's three, and they had like hadn't been – they had never won a tournament game until he won one. I mean, that's a, as, as brutal as that football job yeah. is, that basketball job is even which You wouldn't think that than being in Chicago and all, but – Yeah, they're really good. Hell, DePaul sucks too, Chicago State. Everybody sucks except Loyola. In this town, and sometimes Illinois, Chicago is okay. I know I mentioned Wisconsin playing on Sunday, but they are playing tonight. 
and they better be careful because it could go it could go wrong quick at Nebraska. Uh-huh. You heard that right. At Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, the Huskers are 15 and 6, 5 and 5 in the Big 10. Uh, they are trying to get into the dance this year as well. Wisconsin is just a one and a half point favorite in this game tonight. The Badgers carry an eight and one Big Ten record and sixteen and four overall into the matchup. The only other top twenty five game being played. Eleventh ranked Arizona hosting Cal. That will be a blowout. I want to read this, guys. This is uh, from the report because, as we mentioned earlier in the program multiple times, that um, Bohannon has uh, received a 15-year show cause, the former head baseball coach at the University of Alabama. In addition to the fact if he is hired during that show cause period, he's suspended for the first five seasons. And by whoever hires him will take you, but you can't coach for five years. In the regular – there's interesting language, though. In the regular season. So, like, if South Carolina decided we, we're going to hire a cat, he can't coach uh, for five regular seasons, but they're in the postseason for five straight years. He can hop out there and coach. But anyways – this is from that report. I'm going to read this word for word. This is like JC, Phil, guys. There's dumb, and then there's stupid, and then there's like no, no brain, no brain. Brain does not like, exist. Like Steve Zahn and uh, Boogie Nights, or brain absent. Who, brain whoever, absent. That was that Steve Zahn. No, it was whoever was like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And remember when uh, Dirk Diggler's sitting there, and then Boogie Nights, and they go to buy the cocaine and. The, the fireworks, there's an Asian oh, woman yeah, sitting on fireworks. The and then that guy pulls a gun out of nowhere, and you're like, what the hell, dude? You know, that's yeah. that's it's that kind of stupid. I, I glanced at it during the break, so I'll let you yeah. roll with this. It this might, is going to be, be this may be delicious. Might be worse than that. I mean, it's how bad this is. I'm reading from the report. Quote, shortly after receiving the electronic messages from Bohannon, the better attempted to put this is how he got busted. The better attempted to place a one hundred thousand dollar wager on the LSU baseball team at the Bet MGM Sportsbook at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. But the sportsbook staff limited the better to a $15,000 wager from the 100 he attempted to place. The better then attempted to place additional wagers involving the April 28th Alabama versus LSU baseball game. But the sportsbook staff declined the wagers due to suspicious activity. This suspicious activity included the better's insistent demeanor to get the bet placed in statements to sportsbook staff that the bet was, quote, sure going to win, and, quote, if only you guys knew what I knew. The suspicious activity also included the better showing sportsbook staff messages from coach Brian Bohannon and explaining that the messages were Bohannon informing the better that Alabama was scratching its starting pitcher before the game and before Bohannon alerted LSU. That is a direct quote slash statement from the investigation of Alabama's former baseball coach. First of all, not only did you really screw up, you were working with the dumbest human being in the history of sports betting. 
you don't walk up to the counter and say, I'm putting a hundred grand down and I have illegal information that says that that hundred grand is going to cash. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hey, hey, wow. officer, I'm going to smoke crack and then I'm going to drive this car into a crowd full of people and I can prove it because I'm going to smoke crack in front of you and get behind the wheel. Why not just do that? I mean, like, you... Who is this idiot that he was friends with? Is this, I mean... I mean, did he want to get fired? Like, this is the dumbest thing that, I've but, ever well, heard. I mean, look, what Bo Hannon did was shitty, and he needs to be tossed out of the game forever. I mean, you, you don't even hire this guy at the junior high level, right? You don't uh, hire you don't, him it, to work at Wendy's. You don't disrespect the game like that, but uh, I do question his judgment because who is the the complete moron that uh, that decided that was? I mean, you know, you don't you go to a sports book window. I don't care where you're gambling in a casino, sports book, whatever. Keep your head down, make your pick, act stupid. You know, you don't you don't want to do anything to raise suspicions because. There's times where if you do happen to win and they suspect something, they, they can legal they legally don't have to pay you out. No. I mean, you could cost yourself money by adding like a fool, like regardless. Now correct. you have all this plan, you have a plan here. College baseball. And you're like, and I mean, I just wow. Dude, a hundred on a college baseball game. Unless it's college World Series, didn't Alabama almost loot, win the game too? I mean, didn't if I recall correctly, that game was pretty close, and Alabama almost like came back and won. I don't know. I mean, I can find out. I don't. I don't remember. I think it ended up like six to five. I'd have been sweating bullets at that point. But man, what a! <sighs> It just, I've never seen, I've never seen anything like that. I, I, it, it's shocking. It was that, it was April twenty eighth. Drug use was involved in these decisions. Or they anything. they, they got the, beat. They got beat six to eight. Yeah, that's a little close for a hundred grand. So no, he was. I was putting, a little nervous. So he was. He had his guy putting a hundred grand down that he was gonna lose. Oh, hey, go tell them that I sent you this text message. We're going to get our ass kicked today. That sounds yeah. good, boss. I'll do it. How much you want me to slap in there? 100 grand. No problem. Nobody will think to. I'm walking in the door of Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati with $100,000 in my pocket. Nobody goes about it. Josh Pate said it was like if this were like a gambling scandal movie, they would be. Um, there's no way that they would uh, they they wouldn't even write the, they wouldn't even make the movie because the script was just so stupid. No, right. yeah, people wouldn't believe it. Yeah, not believable. Yeah. <laughs> like if somebody ever does a movie on this and says this is a true story, people are like, no, it's not. There's no way that somebody's that dumb. It's not a true story. <laughs> Whatever. Right, right. Yeah, the thirty for thirty on this is going to be just nuts. <laughs> Let's see. Let me. Let me. Uh, now I'm gonna get with King and uh, Matt and Monty, and let's see. We're gonna put a hundred grand on the uh, <laughs> Queens. 
Wednesday, February 21st, 100 grand. Gamecocks over Queens. That's right. Somebody give me some inside information. That's crazy, man. Anyways, uh, if those of you that are uh, joining us at 121, where have you been? We missed you. Uh, but back at 1121, we were joined by Chad Holbrook. He stayed with us for the rest of the hour. You'll, you, you really want to probably go listen to that. You also want to go listen to the brand new Chin Music podcast that's out today. It's a little bit over an hour long interview with him, Colin Morrison, Scotty Fryer with two hit with Merrifield. Uh, a fascinating conversation, and uh, Coach let us in on some of that earlier. But also, we we got his opinion on Ty Good, who's now in a Gamecock baseball uniform, and talked to him about some of the great moments of those 2010, uh, 2011 years, all that stuff, even some of the tougher moments. Uh, so we'll, we'll have Coach on throughout the season. But that was a lot of fun to, to talk to him today, and I'm sure I'm happy that he accepts our invitation to come do so. So if you missed that, go back and go back and check it all out. Um, speaking of legal stuff, we have not gotten much at all into the Tennessee situation because the rest of the country kind of has you covered there. But, um, you know, I, I, I guess I was a little bit thrown off at first. I'm not now by the fact that the Vols athletic department, uh, mad dog and Schubert, I mean, they came out throwing haymakers, you know, they're, they're, they feel like they've done everything they're supposed to do in the whole nine yards. I guess the reasoning behind all this, from what I'm increasingly understanding here, Tennessee was already on the radar based on what just happened. So clearly these guys got a tip and they've decided to go, go, you know, full steam ahead and whatever it is. But uh, Tennessee's come out swinging and they're going to keep swinging the bat until they hit something, it looks like. And now they've got an entire state worth of legislation behind them. JC kind of alluded to some of this earlier. Um, but now they've got an entire state worth of legislators behind them trying to trying to back that up. Yeah, I don't know. You got to figure. I mean, this is an interesting setup because I mean they they were touted as this paragon of virtue, if you will, back in the summer last year of a program, and then all of a sudden, you know, we find ourselves here, hmm. and I, I don't. It's going to take some big time battles at the court level to make this either stop or repair itself. But like JC said earlier, it's like you're, everybody's going to kick the can down the road until it's all the way up to the Supreme court. And you know, if they're supposed to look at it from the objectivity point of view, then I mean, assuming that what they're doing is not illegal, whoever's doing whatever that's not illegal will continue to be able to do what's not illegal. <laughs> so Nothing's going to get fixed. It's just a vicious cycle. Yeah, and it's it. That, that's what the, the, the point of suing ever. And that's why everybody, uh, and, and like, like I said, in our country now, there's a big problem with that with legislatures, uh, especially at the federal level. I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily the state level, but on the federal level, that bunch of jokers, they love to just kick things to the court or to the executive branch, executive orders. Oh, they don't like making laws anymore, which is their primary job. I think they feel like their primary job's getting on TV and raising money for the next election and pretending to do work. So yeah. There's a biggest bunch of lazy party animals I've ever seen in my life. There's probably no good. There's nothing good in the United States Congress right now. Um, and, and I think that's the idea, especially with some of these states uh, and these attorney generals who are ambitious and they want to look like they saved the day uh, is because there's not going to be an answer legislation legislation legislature wise there's not going to be 
uh, a lawmaker solution to this. It's going to have to go through the courts. And, and, and unfortunately for the college sports uh, apparatus as we know it, it's not surviving scrutiny in the courts. Uh, if Congress wanted to do something, they make the laws in this country. They could write, co- you know, code and uh, stuff like that, and, and codify. You know, okay, they're there. They've got an antitrust exemption. They make their own rules. It's legal. Blah blah blah. But they're scared to do anything like that, and, and so it's going to work through the court. And, and with the way the laws are written in our country and the the type of society we have, capitalist. The, um, the the court on both sides they're just gonna they're gonna just destroy it. I mean it's 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 not there's nothing to be done at the executive level. There's nothing to be done at the judicial level to save the NCAA at this point. Uh, it's got to be Congress, and that's and Charlie Baker understands that he was governor of Massachusetts. I mean he gets that more than anybody. But there's no appetite to save anything. I mean they're they're sitting there right now, and I'm not gonna get political, but. They're sitting there right now with a, a, a tremendous tax cut bill, right? The, the, the House, the House of all people passed it. Senate's like, oh, I don't know if I want to give through this in an election year. You know, at what, at what point is it about doing what's right for the country? Uh, and, 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 and doing what's right for the country would be to step in and, and compromise and come up, come up with a grand compromise law to where we can all move forward. This is how it's going to be. This is the law of the land. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This is what is fair. Okay. This is going to keep the NCAA going. It's going to keep college sports alive as we know it. We have to, we, we're going to do it this way. We're going to compromise. One side's going to get a little bit. The other side's going to get a little bit. Send it to the president who probably doesn't care and let him sign it and, and, and be done with this issue for good. But mm-hmm. instead, they're just going to keep talking and talking and talking, getting on TV. And well, we should do something, but maybe we won't, you know, and arguing and then blaming the other side. And it's going to go through the courts and the courts are going to blow the whole thing completely sky high because, and they made that perfectly clear during the Austin uh, stuff. They were like, your business model is illegal. Most likely <laughs> you're this, that, and the other. And it was both yeah. sides, nine, nothing. Uh, and the NCAA to quite frankly, uh, could have held this off because the, 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 until the Alston thing, which was preposterous because it was academic money, uh, until the Alston thing, courts were kind of like, ah, you know, we won't stay out of it, whatever. All they had to do was give Ed O'Bannon some money for the video game yeah. and say back <laughs> then, okay, we're gonna net, we're gonna be reasonable people here, but they're not reasonable people. They're they're stupid, highly educated, but stupid. Um, they lack common sense and they got a very uh, aristocratic air about them to where they honestly pretend like they care about everybody, poor people and disadvantaged people, but they really don't. They're, they're very aristocratic. Mm. And so I was like, oh, well, let them eat cake, whatever. No, that's not their money. Blah. And um, all they had to do was compromise and say, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to, you know, like, like a Ohio state football player, man, he had a YouTube channel, right? And he had a cooking show, and he was cooking food. On, on, and it was very popular among Buckeye fans. Well, he monetized it, right? He's making a little extra couple hundred bucks a month off of it because fans liked his cooking show. It was a cooking show. They came and said, no, extra benefit. You can't do that. They wouldn't let kids have camps in their hometown to benefit young kids and, and they let them get paid for their time. They wouldn't let them be in commercials, even though, you know, 
They used them in commercials and used their likeness, and they wouldn't let them make money off their jerseys. The common sense things that are truly NIL, they should have just allowed and said, okay, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to structure it. We have to approve the categories you get paid in. We're not going to let you go crazy and structure it like the Olympics, uh, which which had this situation years ago. I mean, I never thought the United States Olympic Committee would be any kind of organization to follow, but they should. I mean, they should have done it that way. And then they refused and they fought. And one of the most preposterous things was Mark Emmerich, the old head of the NCAA, is partially to blame for this. He's another clueless person. He, uh, you know, one 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 thing they said, the lawyers for Ed O'Bannon or whoever, they're sitting there going, well, and the argument was, we don't want the corporations to, to maybe have a bad influence on our student athletes. All right, well, I don't know what that means. Well, then they, they pull up a picture from the NCAA tournament and the, the championship team standing in front of a Nissan banner. And they're like, what, who, like Nissan? Like, like Coca-Cola? Like this, that, the, uh, uh, uh. How do you, you can't justify it. You just can't justify it. And, and so they've gone, they've, they've dug in so much now that the, the, the whole thing's been exposed. And so they're not going to get any favorable treatment because they didn't use common sense. See, guys, here's some advice. One thing I've learned in my life, because I didn't always do it, use common sense above everything else. Use common sense. Use your brain and understand that, like, you know, when you're in the wrong a lot, if people are willing to let you just be in the wrong a little and, and you kind of protect your whole deal, you need to jump on that. You need to jump on that quickly. Because the more arrogant and ignorant, arrogance and ignorance is the, the most lethal combination you could have as a human being. Those people, number one, are self-destructive, as the NCAA is. And they're dangerous for society. Because their arrogance is so great they they ignore their ignorance, and whenever you have an arrogant person that's in any kind of with any kind of power that's ignorant too, they're going to make the wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision, and they can't see past it. And that's what's happened here. There's a bunch of arrogant and ignorant people running the show that have run this thing into the ground, and now the legal system is going to take over. And the legal system in our country is the one institution that I think is still, for the most part, very very fair when you're talking about the high court and. You know, decisions like that. I know not everybody agrees with that, and, and that's a different topic. But I do think that, you know, it, it, in black and white, the NCAA is totally in the wrong and never going to win uh, with the courts again. And uh, congressionally, it, it's never going to happen. So they're completely screwed. And every school that they try to come down on, Jamie and Phil, they can do exactly what Tennessee did. Yep. They're going to do exactly yep. what you like, you're, you're out of your mind. Get out of here. Yep. So, yeah. Well, I, 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 um, I absolutely agree that that now that the doors open, who knows what's walking through it, you know, and, uh, it's, it's your, your spot on now, now with that said, if, if the NCAA, let's be fair about this. Cause if the NCAA says, oh, 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 here's what happened. And it is illegal, then we got another conversation to have, you know. So I one of the reasons we haven't had a lot of these conversations is because I very much want to see the dust settle with much of this. Everybody can, you know, generally can't wait. They've got a microphone. They just want to jump out and tell you their opinion. Um 
we didn't want to do that here because we don't really know exactly what's coming. But um, I do know this, as you just pointed out, what is coming at some point in time is change. And what does that change look like? Who freaking knows? Uh, I'm not saying the NCAA is changing. I'm just saying something's about to change uh, because one way or another, something's going to come from this. It's going to drastically impact everything else, as you just um, as you just pointed out. We, we just got done talking about a hundred thousand dollar bet. Now, now our guy John Strickland jumps in and says he got a he got a thousand dollars off the EA Sports lawsuit. Lawsuit, a great, uh, and he got a thousand dollars from that deal. Great, out, John. No wonder he's got all that bourbon. I, I, I see what he did with it. He went and That's invested right. in all that bourbon. He put that money to good use, obviously. obviously. It's a chief sports network football analyst, John Strickland, chiming in today. <laughs> One thing uh, we, about the NCAA thing before we move on, though, JC or JD, yeah. it, yeah. there's something that bothers me in the whole discourse and narrative over this is there is a difference between illegal and against the NCAA rules. And there will be a fight down the road between the two because there is no federal regulation over this NIL business. It's all state controlled. So you've got 50 different opinions versus the one, you know, set of ground rules. And I wish that I think some people kind of try to skew the debate one way or the other by using the word illegal uh, when it just isn't applicable because, you know, what's illegal in South Carolina might be legal in North Carolina, let's say, who, if I remember right, just opened up private schools for being able to offer NIL deals uh, at the high school level, <laughs> which will probably thrust the state to make a decision to do so at the public school level. So, uh, I mean, uh, until there's some unified system set in place by they're suing them yeah yeah i mean states are suing them in federal court and getting they're going to get an injunction yeah Mm -hmm. and and, and it's going to be stopped i mean that's the whole thing is that you know how much how much money does the ncaa have to fight all of this legally because the states definitely clearly have more resources they they have plenty though and what's yeah. crazy about this this injunction that they're seeking from Tennessee and Virginia is not number one is to stop the investigation at Tennessee, but number two is to stop the NCAA from enforcing the in, inducement part of NIL. Right, yeah. guys. So the NCAA is going to be powerless to stop any school whose collective or otherwise is out there just like. You know, because because right now a lot of us wing wing nod nod, right? <laughs> uh, for how they're going, hey, here's five hundred thousand dollars. What are you going to do about it? nothing? You know, and they can't do it because because uh, the court is the law of the land. I mean, we we have a co equal branch of government, and unless Congress overrides, and you know that it could probably go to court again. I mean, there's just uh, they, they don't the NCA has no leg to stand on. I mean, and, mm. and, and that that's the that would be the scary part to me if I was one that did not want to see, and I'm not. I, I don't want to see mass chaos and money flying all over the place, and every player goes to the highest bidder. I think that poisons the the well a little bit. I have no problem with nil. I, I think there's a certain amount you need to get to, and then everybody's kind of got the same, and we're good. You decide how you're going to spend it institutionally. 
But when we get if we get to like where the being the wild wild west, being SMU in the 1980s is perfectly legal, and the in there is a federal court that says, you know, it puts an injunction, ties the NCAA's hands, they can't enforce their own rules. That's brother, that's the end of them. That's the end. Well, they'd serve no purpose. I mean, yeah, outside I mean, of hosting championships, but they'd serve no purpose from a governing standpoint. Yeah, that's so, it. I mean, that's a goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee AD Danny White released a statement too. It's pretty scary. Yeah. I just yeah. Uh, I read that, but we've we we we've got to hit a timeout. So let's say goodbye to this segment, and when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll read that statement. Also, uh, we we do have Brad Crawford next week. One of the things we'll talk to him about is. You're you're seeing coaches in college football say, "A town down, peace up, I'm out." You know, Jeff Halfley left Boston because college because of things like this. Yeah, Jeff Halfley is the latest to do it, uh, and it's going to continue. Kirk Herbstreit tweeted, uh, tweeted about that today. In addition to that, uh, Spencer Rattler is turning heads in Mobile, Alabama, and the Senior Bowl comes up this weekend. So we'll finish with a flurry of football. Powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. You do not have to be in the low country to buy from them. Go to the website if you want to make your next purchase for you. It's, it's They're not cheap. Like you, you can buy a cheap electric bike and have a break. You won't do that. You want to buy the right one. Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. They come from everywhere. They have the best warranties. They have the best service. They have the best brands. And they have the best owner ever. Michelle Wilkins, who's the greatest Gamecock fan on the planet. She knows more than we do. Matter of fact, she should be probably hosting this show. Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com, big-time contributors as well to Carolina Rise. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks.
Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
It's our final segment, 145, Thursday afternoon on Inside the Gamecocks, the show driven by Love Chevrolet. Man, we love those guys. We know you do, too. Actually, everybody does. That's why they've been in business so long, and they always have the best deals and the best service and the whole nine yards. LoveChevy.com. Uh, the uh, statement that JC referenced before we hit a timeout from Danny White, the AD in Knoxville, is uh, is very, very long. I'm not going to read it. It's not very long. Long enough. I'm not going to read the entire thing. But what he did say, I'll, uh, I will quote some of this, is uh, that um, he, quote, after reviewing thousands of Tennessee code personnel phone records, NCAA investigators didn't find a single NIL violation, so they moved the goalpost to fit a predetermined outcome. They are stating that the nebulous, contradictory NIL guidelines written by the NCAA, not the membership, don't matter in applying the old bylaws to collective collectives. If that's the case, then 100% of the major programs in college athletics have significant violations uh, so uh basically what he's saying is they move the goalposts and if we broke the rules so did everybody else in college athletics yeah he also accused them of leaking to the media yeah uh said it was silly called them silly said uh they need to spend their time and energy on solutions to better organize college athletics in the nil era something the ncaa failed to do in 2021 and that everybody deserves better, and he's not going to let them use Tennessee to advance their irrational agenda. Now, look, if that's the case, if they went through all these records and found no violations from staff, and then they wanted to go back and retroact, that's a pile of, uh, you know what? I mean, I'm on Tennessee's side, clearly, if that's the case, because you, you, you can't single one – you can't – at this point, you cannot go making an example. And they've, they've had a bad habit of that through the years. That whole scandal, the remember the FBI basketball scandal? Yeah. Uh, first school to get you know spanked was NC State. Meanwhile, Kansas gives Bill Self a lifelong contract. And Kansas was the one of the worst. <laughs> Egregious. You know, I mean, they punish Arizona. They don't punish – you know, I mean, it, they have a history of stuff like this, right? And and you can't you just can't operate that way anymore. I mean, you know, and and Danny White's right. I mean, hate to say it, I know, I know, you know, everybody, uh, the SCC is basically rivals, and people don't mind when your neighbor's house burns down in this league. But uh, I've got to say that that Danny White's kind of speaking for all of college athletics because he's absolutely correct. If you're going to go back and apply booster rules to collectives. You, you are going to have – I mean, there's not a program in the country that's going to be completely – I mean, because those booster rules are so – like, like you can't do anything with your if you're a booster. You can't even talk to them once they sign. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to apply booster rules, that means, you know, a collective can't even communicate with your current players about contracts and stuff. And, and that's, that's, that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Colin in the Nanosports chat box, he's going to go buy a bottle of chicken cock for use after every win. May not make it through basketball season, our two teams. That a boy, Colin. That a boy. Well done. Uh, it is fantastic bourbon. I've got mine teed up and ready to go tomorrow as I work my way through this, uh, through this illness here. Some other legal news out there. Uh, the judge has dropped former Ole Miss defensive tackle DeSanto Rollins' lawsuit against Coach Lane Kiffin and uh, the University of Mississippi. 
it was uh, dismissed by Judge Michael P. Wills in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Mississippi. He had, uh, Rollins had sued the university and Coach Kiffin together for $40 million, $10 million in compensatory uh, damages and uh, $30 million in punitive dam- damages. Uh, he was suing them for pretty much everything that you could possibly sue somebody for, Phil. Uh, but they have uh, told him essentially to go kick rocks. But um, are we talking uh, about a kid from Ole Miss? Yeah, yeah. They, I kind of figured that. He alleged, he alleged race, sexual discrimination, uh, all kind, all mental health, this, that, and the other. And they said, yeah, yeah, this is all BS. If you're having a mental health crisis, you absolutely had every right to do what you needed to do, what you did. Um. It was your fault that you didn't communicate with the coaches. He had every right to kick you off the team. He did. You're not getting 40 minutes. You're not getting a pit. So long. I hope uh, the kid gets a help he needs because that was the most, that was the craziest. Uh, I mean, yeah, was it a great look for Lane Kiffin in the grand scheme of things? I'm surprised actually more of uh, some of our dead spin leaning media friends didn't take the recording and trash Lane, you know. <laughs> Uh, a little more than they did, but it was a terrible, terrible lawsuit. I mean, and, and the problem is, is that when something real happens, and this is a problem in the world these days, anyway, when something real happens where there's a need for someone to go get some recourse, it's like the boy who cried wolf. You're always questioned it now. Oh, you really? You know, and so that's, uh, but I, I'm glad that happened. They should make him pay the, the old Mrs. attorney fees and his mom. Yeah. Yeah. I think Old Miss is uh, just about ready to to be done with this guy. But um, yeah, I would, uh, I would imagine that Mississippi does that? not allow that, or this suit would not have gone to court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the loser pays probably not in Mississippi because something yeah. that's yeah this flimsy. Yeah, you you, you got to really weigh your options there. Boston, if, Boston, if, yeah. I was going to say, I hope Colin buys uh, ends up with about nine bottles of chicken cock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I that would be a school, be school record for wins. Yeah, and may God have mercy on your soul, according to Clint. That's right. Uh, oysters were good, uh, Craig. I used to used to cater oyster roast, so it's uh, it pretty pr- pretty pretty natural around here when we do oysters. They're fantastic. Get them out of McClellanville if you can. A little tip for everybody. Uh, Packers, uh, the uh, Green Bay Packers have hired Boston College's Jeff Halfley as their defensive coordinator. You're going to start seeing more of this. Get ready. Uh, 22 and 26 and four seasons at Boston College. Uh, they did finish seven and six this year with a win over 22nd ranked SMU in the Fenway Bowl. But uh, he probably looked at this and thought, you know what? Let's see. Don't want to have to deal with this. Next year, if I run out there and we have a losing record, uh, I'm probably going to get fired. So mm. why de- why deal with all that? Ah, hell with it. I'm off the NFL. Going to probably start seeing more of this. We're going to talk a lot about this uh, in the coming weeks as well. He did a fantastic coaching job this year because that team was not very good. Didn't go off to a great start. They scraped and scrapped. And who, who are going to be the top contenders for this job? Who's going well, after that? Well, so there's there's two Gamecock fans need to keep an eye on. The first one is Tony Reno, the coach at Yale, who's Dante's dad. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, you know he's a, he's up there. He's in the area. He's a winner. They like him, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, and the other one is kind of locally uh, is Mike Reed, the secondary coach at Clemson, which was interesting. 
I thought mm. very interesting. He is a Boston College graduate. And so hmm. uh, I, right. you know. So Mike's not Dabba Sweeney. Yeah, I'm not Dab. Dabo's not taking the BC job. He's going to announce that he turned it down today, though, and signed a new contract with Clemson, right? Okay. You'll okay. see that on one of the Clemson. Because he missed that opportunity with the Bama job to restructure his yeah, contract. Yeah, I just oh. wanted to let you know that I turned down Boston College. All right, Doug Flutie, whatever. Uh, yeah. But that Boston College is not a bad job. I was actually having a conversation with uh, somebody about it today. The, the problem you're going to have right now is – Syracuse made a very, what I would call, people throw this word around too much, dynamic. They made a very good hire in terms of who do they need to go get players. Um, And Fran Brown, being a Jersey guy, because New Jersey's the hotbed up there. I mean, it's like like a smaller Ohio. The state goes 40 deep. Um, Who's going to go recruit? Well, Syracuse now, you got that guy. And Q's also is, is very popular among the few New York, New York City kids that um, that are in New York City, you know. Mm-hmm. And so where's Boston College going to be a players? Well, you know, New England, nah, there's not that much. So you're going to have to dip down and take tier two and three out of Jersey and good luck beating Fran Brown on those kids. And then you're going to have to get to the DMV and take tier four and then hit the South really hard. And then go national when you can. Uh, Boston College does do a good job of going to the Midwest. Tier tier three, four, two in Ohio. Sometimes they'll get some kids out of the Midwest to play offensive line. But uh, that would be my question: is is who, if you hire somebody, they better be able to get out and, and recruit guys, um, because it's going to be on the high school level at least. It's going to be tough sledding. And BC's BC's a portal school, right? They'll take kids out of the portal, but academically, it doesn't always align with every other school. It's a private Catholic school, and it's not 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 as difficult to get into as Duke or someplace like that. But it's still, you know, not that easy. So I would be curious to see what the uh, roster and talent acquisition plan is there with whatever candidate I uh, I interviewed. But man, they got tradition. Y'all remember in the. The mid two thousands, BC and Virginia Tech were the two best teams in the ACC, like for four straight years, when mm-hmm. Matty Ice was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, they would win when you wouldn't think they were they would win. I mean, they. Um, I like that program. I mean, it's it's a, it's a hellacious little program, but uh, you know, I, I am curious to see you know who they are. And I thought Halfley did a really good job there. Yeah. He took over a bad situation. Uh, they were they were competitive most years. Hmm. Um. But I think if he wants to reach his goals rather than sitting around and getting fired at Boston College through no fault of his own, go to the Packers, have a good couple of years, and, and, and you'll be on your way again. Because he was considered an up-and-comer, right, when he got to BC. Pandemic year, they were really good. So we'll see what happens. But uh, that's it's interesting that job came open right now. Because if, if a sitting head coach takes it, like somebody from the MAC, they were talking about Jason Candle from Toledo, that's going to be another job open. So – the carousel will continue to spin. Contrary to getting fired, Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett are trying to get hired. We have run out of time with to, to be able to get into that today, but uh, I will save it for tomorrow. Uh, Mike Morgan will be joining us tomorrow. So will Stuart Lake as we preview Gamecock baseball. Uh, we will uh, not have as much time uh, to go down memory lane like we did for the large majority of the time last week. 
uh, we will begin to take a closer look at what Carolina will roll out onto the field here in two in just two more Fridays. That's it. Uh, February the 16th, two weeks from tomorrow, is when uh, Gamecock baseball will get out there and play some ball. So looking forward to that. Tomorrow is Groundhog Day. Mad Dog will Punxsutawney Phil, your brother, your brother, Punxsutawney Phil, will he see or not see his shadow? I say yes. He will you see do. his shadow. Yeah, so that, yeah, well, that means yeah. that means spring is early, right? No. No, that is means six the other way around. Shadow more, more. Yeah. Six yeah, more weeks of winter. Now. No, it's the other way around. Well, shadow would be sunshine, right? Shadow is shadow. six more weeks of winter. No shadow is springs around the corner. So if know, he sees his shadow. About this the other day, I was like, here's the, here's the little secret. Spring's still six weeks away, if, whether he sees if, the damn thing or not. <laughs> yeah, if he sees his shadow, there's six more weeks. <laughs> so you're saying South he will Carolina. not. Early spring is what you're saying. Early spring. Early spring. Sure, why not? You, you, you okay. guys already know. Here. I mean, hell, I got daffodils that are. You know, oh, yeah, early <laughs> next week's going to be cold, mad <laughs> dog. Yeah, yeah, it'll be awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, nah, you're going gonna, gonna to do this. It's going to be warm, like the last two weeks of February, will be warm. Then there'll be that one week in no, March no, where it's cold be. as hell. Mm-mm. And no, snows. You missed it. You missed and then it. it'll be, be warm for the rest no, of the No, 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 no. You got to go by the baseball calendar, JC. That's the way the weather works around here. It is, it's 70 degrees the day before first pitch. The day of, it's always 35 and raining. That's just, uh, that's college baseball to a t- I played in snow my, my first opening day of college baseball. And also, we'll celebrate the Groundhog tomorrow and we'll celebrate the weekend with one of the great food days of the year. It is National Tater Tot Day tomorrow. So what do you put on your tater tots? We'll talk about all of that with our version of Punxsutawney Mad Dog Phil. <laughs> Are you going to dress as a groundhog tomorrow? Oh, that would be a whole lot cooler if you did. It'd be a lot cooler if I did. That's right. <laughs> all right, guys. So you are gonna, you are, or you're not dressing as a groundhog tomorrow. I, I don't think I'll be dressing as a groundhog, but I, I might be able to provide the prop, the support. I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I find a prop. I may or may not be in. What are you want a stick or something? <laughs> What's happening here? No. This uh, is my little groundhog puppet I have right here. It's called Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> or Mr. Punxsutawney. Peter Punxsutawney the groundhog. It's hey, quick, quick, quick food question for you too. Cool Ranch or Nacho Cheese Doritos? I saw your poll the other day. I'm, I'm, I'm a Cool Ranch guy, but however, I will eat the crap out of both. I'm I'm a both guy like but like Cool Ranch on like like uh, Nat makes this corn dip. Mm-hmm. Break it up. I, I like it on the Break corn it. dip a little bit better than the, the, the nacho cheese. I can eat it both ways. I'm, I like Doritos. Like those two styles of Doritos, I'm fine. The rest of them, like when you get into the the, the chili lime Doritos and stuff, I'm not I'm not a big fan. But the, the, yeah. the, I'm, I'm I'm ambivalent. I am Cheetos I'm a- agnostic. I mean, I mean, sorry, Doritos agnostic. No, I do prefer ranch Doritos crushed up on my bologna sandwich as opposed to the nacho cheese. 
fair, fair, that's yeah. very fair, very fair. The uh, bologna, fried bologna sandwich at uh, Blake Shelton's place in Gatlinburg has the original Lay's crunched on it, and those are really good too. Yeah, I, I ate it when I was in Gatlinburg over the summer. Well, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. Fantastic. Just, 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 I tell you, a thirsty fellow near the, they need to pay us for advertising, near the uh, CLA, good fried bologna sandwich as well. Mm. I, that's free for you guys because I love your bologna. I'm sorry. That means you probably <laughs> Enough of this bologna. Is this an Arkansas? This is Arkansas basketball. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Isaac Trotter for an awesome conversation earlier, by the way, uh, about Lamont Paris. And uh, oh, yeah. thanks to Chad Holbrook. We will be joined tomorrow by Mike Morgan and Stuart Lake. And we'll see you at 11 from the Sinorama Studios right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.